Alright guys, it's episode 118 of the uh, New Blood Rising podcast. Thanks for uh, joining us for season 5 from Sting to Hogan as we take a look at WCW from the Great American Bash 90 with Sting winning the world title through the entrance of Hulk Hogan at uh, you know Bash of the Beach uh, 94. So here we are. We're right now in 1991. It's the Great American Bash 91. So I'm William Rinkin joined by Jason Kiesler. Hello, everyone. Charlie Sabil, how are you, sir? Doing good. Happy to be here. Yep. All right. So, um, I'm trying to pull out because there's a. I've never been like I, I feel like I got hit by a tidal wave of notes and things about this match from other people, and I was like, okay, what are we getting into with this show? I'm really going to try not to get off on a rant on this because I got really angry because by the end of this, all I felt was... It's not going to happen. Yeah. I, you, I got it's a real... I, <sighs> everyone it really seems says to think, something that Bobby Eaton is in the worst match on the card. Like, like th- did you think of that? It's just like he's, he's like a constantly like, you know, above average performer and he is in what is un- undoubtedly maybe the worst match of the entire season. I mean, I... all right. I'm saying I'm just gonna I'm gonna pace myself because I don't want to derail. Like we need to get into the show. We'll and we I think we will tackle some of these things as we get in. It's not like awful, but it's extremely forgettable. And maybe that's worse. I don't know. All right, all right. Let's get into this thing. So where are we at? It's July fourteenth. It's nineteen ninety one. The number one movie in the U.S. You guys want to take a stab at it? Terminator 2. Yes. The second of four weeks at number one and took $20 million that weekend. The number one song in the U.S. Mm. Mm. Was it the... No. It was a Mariah Carey song, wasn't it? Something to Believe In by Poison. (laughs) Jace is probably closer. It's Rush Rush by Paul Abdul. (laughs) Fifth of five Good weeks song, at number yeah. one. That's number one song in the UK. You guys want to uh, go ahead? This it's it's a song. Like it's nothing like obscure. You you could figure this out. Think about the year. You might be able to get this. Ninety one. Nothing else uh, matters. Metallica. There we go. No, it's everything I'll do, I do. I do for you by Brian Adams. Oh, oh wow! Of course. I didn't even get a guess. 16 oh. weeks. 16 weeks at number one. All right, your WCW champion. It's vacant at the moment. The WCW slash IWGP champions. It's the Steiners, although that won't last long because they're going to be stripped of the world tag team titles. The WCW US champion is uh, Lex Luger. The US tag team champions are the Fabulous Freebirds. And as well as the six-man tag team champions and the world television champion is Stunning Steve Austin. The Steiners officially get stripped on July 20th after... Scott injures the bicep, but they still retain their IWGP tag title. So that's wild. That's why they leave those on them. 
WWF, nothing has changed. Not, not yet. Once we get, once it gets past August, things it'll, will finally be different. But it's Hulk Hogan, and then Mr. Perfect is the Intercontinental Champion, the Nasty Boys. And uh, to clarify, we were asking about last uh, last show about the um, the plate and Luger's arm. He didn't get it mm-hmm. until he left WCW. So, <laughs> unfortunately, although it would have been awesome if the the steel plate is what deflects the the green mist, but sadly, no. He doesn't get it until he goes into the WBF first. So, okay, I'm trying to see. I think I've got. I think I covered every, pretty much everything for this. All right, let's get into this. We're we're in ba- we're in Baltimore. The opening for this reminds me of like Boogie Nights or The Doors. It's that push in. We're gonna go through every aspect of <laughs> of entering the arena. Of the the Goodfellas, Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be part of a scab match. <laughs> Capetta welcomes us, and the scaffold is unfolded over the ring. The camera stays on. I felt, I, I swear, I thought it was like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was walking across the way, and the camera just won't get off of her. She runs out of choices real quick, the poor lady. I feel bad for her, because it does look like the camera guy's like, hey, come on. Why don't you give me something? It's like, no, nope. Just want to get some. <laughs> just want to get my seat. So that sets us up for uh, the scaffold match. It's a capture the flag or knock your opponent to their death. PN News and Beautiful Bobby versus <laughs> the World Television Champion, Stunning Steve Austin, and the Computerized Man of the 1990s, Terrence Taylor. All right, Jason. Why don't you just tee off on this? All right, well, hang on, man. I got to mark out some of my notes here so I don't feel the wrath of Rankin in a little bit coming in hot. But no, um, you know, what's cool is beautiful Bobby, he isn't so beautiful when he's visibly contemplating what happened that got him here because uh, he doesn't have his normal look at the crowd. Fist pump. Yeah, he's kind of looking down at the walkway as he comes. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, this is this is the one match where Alexander York's computer would really come in handy to plan out a strategy for a scaffold match. I just see Terrence Taylor holding it, going, "Computer, run program Donkey Kong." Yeah, you know, so it's just because you got a four hundred pound opponent in PM News and you're twenty feet in the air. What better way to do it? Um, Tony Schiavone's first words out of his mouth about this match is basically asking why the hell is Steve Austin participating in this match? I don't know if y'all caught that or not. He's like, why is Steve Austin, the television champion, participating in this match? It's like, that's what I want to know. And a lot of other people. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, they get up Terrence Taylor, says fuck it, and like stops climbing up to the scaffold. Um, Jim Ross continues his long tradition that doesn't seem to quit even later in the in the early 2000s here of subtly taking jabs at people as he says PM News is 403 403 and one half pound dude is over 400 pounds. <laughs> the one half I mean he's, he's he's so fucking chippy um and, and here's this is really I mean, joking aside and, and not going off the thing I didn't like about this this match was it's like 50% slap fight where everyone's just slapping each other's hands. 
I don't want to see shit. I don't want to see these guys fall to their death. Like, you know, last week at Hell in the Cell, I'm watching those dudes get on top of the cage. I'm like, you know, we see this every fucking year. I don't want to see it. It's so tense. You, Someone's going off the top. Just let's stop. I mean, we're not, you know, it, it's it's just, I don't know. It's just important, uh, or not important, but this match, it was, it was so dull when it comes to it. Um, first match, first few minutes... We already get our mixed metaphor of sports, which is completely wrong. Is PM News is like a goalie. Because in football, you have to cross the goal line. Tony Schiavone. Then Jim Ross goes, that's an excellent analogy. No, it's not. Let's dissect all the reasons that that is wrong. Uh, first of all, football doesn't have goalies. And even if you're talking about football, you can't cross the goal line. So shut the fuck up. Um, this is just new. All PM News has to do at some point when he gets completely over to the other side of the fucking scaffold is grab the flag and mull across, but he won't stop punching Steve Austin. He's like, one day this guy is going to be big and this is my moment. Um, you know, when a match is not going to be good, when the commentators say that lying completely still is or completely still is considered solid strategy because PM News just lays there for like two minutes. They're like, what great strategy by PM News. I'm like, no, it's not. How's he going to win? Um, the At some point, someone decides to t- retire mid, uh, mid-match mid and starts climbing down the scaffolding because I don't know how this match ended. I don't know what happened. They just suddenly go, the match is over because Bobby picks up the flag from Austin and Terrence, but it's dropped and I never see him get across the ring. Everyone starts climbing down on the scaffolding. The bell rings. And it just, it's, it's so fucking confusing. Um, before I get my rating, I want to talk about what's happening post-match, if that's okay. Uh, because I would think when you come to start taking down a structure like a scaffolding, that you would start at the top and take it from the top down. But Doug Dillinger tells the guys, no, let's go ahead and dis- disconnect the support straps that are keeping this thing from swaying and falling. Someone says, well, Doug, what is does the crowd do if the uh, scaffolding starts falling? He said, don't worry, there's plenty of room because there's at least 10 empty full rows on each side of the fucking entranceway. This match gets a zero from me. We'll talk about in a second what... Th- there are There's some really neat background to this. <laughs> and I say, nat, I say neat facetiously, but Charlie, what'd you think of it? I thought it was weird that PN News is from Motown. I just... Really? Like, I just that. I okay. I I don't understand that. And uh, the York Foundation. Where the hell are they? The, the are they that confident in Terrence Taylor's abilities that they don't need to come out and with the computer or anything and help them? Like looking for Mister Hughes. Everything is like focused on Richard Morton's match. Yeah, it was just like and here's Terrence Taylor, who, as far as I know, and the, the way it appears, is the successor to Michael Wall Street. So he should be like the lead wrestler in the stable and no it just doesn't matter and i'll get into york foundation later because jesus uh steve austin's music i really felt like i was entering universal's islands of adventure i what the hell music is that like and, and this is just a common thing with wcw where this it just doesn't fit it's like we care about sting and flair and that's about it uh like in terms of music and it just it always makes me think of wwf because of how great the music was for them and, and wcw just always seemed so phoned in you know well, i mean if youtube was around back then you just generic rock song like with basic port chord progression and just ugh. 
in regards to the ending, um, so they rang the bell when Bobby Eaton was halfway across the scaffold with with the other team's flag. And I was like, okay, I guess that's it. Well, apparently it wasn't because the fight continues up there. And then, no, as a matter of fact, it is over. Uh, it's it's done. And they show a replay of this for some reason. <laughs> like, it was so good I had to see it again, only slower. And Tony's calling it, calling the replay, his mic completely cuts out. You can faintly hear him talking, and and you're just waiting for Jr. to just come in and go. Well, all right, folks, I about does it for that. And it, it's uh, it's the only time it happens, but it's very noticeable. I mean, I was wearing headphones while watching this, so that's probably why I could hear it. But um, it just it's very typical WCW, uh, and I couldn't help but wonder if there were people at home back in '91 who bought this pay per view specifically to see this match. Like, because we've seen scaffold matches, they're for the most part awful, um, and and even even the ECW ones, like we always remember the one where New Jack threw was that was that Vic Grimes, like it's a scaffold match is not fun for me, and this is like the exact opposite of a match like that where it's just well we're just not going to do anything, and the scaffold isn't even it's not even wide enough. Like I think uh, Jr. pointed out how PN News. Uh, his the width of his body from shoulder to shoulder is almost the width of the scaffold. They had nothing to work with, and it sucked because you know Terry Taylor he's whatever as a wrestler, and I don't care much for PN News, but Bob Eaton and Steve Austin why didn't they just have a television title match like that could have been great like to to see them go at it because you know I mean that's what we want and that we get this weird scaffold match that actually opens the show when the match that typically opens the show comes about halfway through the show. So I, I rating it at zero. I, I don't know. I, I like it would truly have to be something that just, just made me want to write a five page blog. Uh, just focusing on that match. Uh, I gave this a one. This is terrible. Okay. So apparently they, they got the wrong scaffold. They got the wrong scaffold. Uh, I, I don't know if it was an, whether it was an ordering problem or whatever, but it, that is clearly, if you've seen other scaffold matches, it's much wider. So they have the ability to walk around and do stuff. Well, they got sent this. Now, the easiest thing is just call the match off. Like, do something else. Just don't do it. But instead, they press on and they build this thing and then... Um, I was listening to PN News talk about it. I don't know how long ago it was. I looked it up and just to hear it. Um, and, like, they had built the thing, and Dusty, you know, tells them, like, hey, guys, look, um, we're going to do this capture the flag thing with it because I can't in good conscience. And Bobby Eaton actually volunteered to take the fall, like, actually do oh. it. Uh, thank God Dusty was like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. Couldn't do it. And so nobody – and I think Austin has – at least a few times. I don't think it's been just once. A few times he's referenced this match and talked about how uh, just really there, nobody was really comfortable. And you can tell, like, that it it does not look like they are kayfaving it when they're crawling across. And when I mean, you look at it, like, when it's that narrow, like, what, what can they do? They can't do anything. So that's why they end up retreating those safe zones, like, where the flag is, so they can at least, you know, be comfortable throwing, I guess, a couple punches or whatever. But, uh, Again, like, just cancel it. Like, it would have been nice if they just said, you know what, abort. We don't need to do this. Like, um, maybe even just do a regular tag match or whatever. Just don't do this. But um, 
Yeah, the um, <laughs> I do love how they just they end it just like just ring the bell, <laughs> just mercifully just end this thing. Uh, we don't need we'll get it. Bobby's gonna get to the other side. I do love it. He's out there right away though. Like he's the only guy who's like, hey man, I'll walk this thing. Let's do it. And they they try to plug that on commentary. Like yeah, this guy's been in these. He's done he's done these before. And stuff. So yeah, I've, I've ne- I, I echo your sentiments, Charlie. I've never liked these ever, ever. Even the good, the ones that are considered good, I've never liked them because I don't really want to see wrestlers take falls like this. It doesn't. No. And, and then when they don't, good. it ends up somehow being worse. Right. You know? That that's one thing that if, if to give a couple of the writers that I read, like like there is something to if you if you set something up like. We're gonna do a scaffold match. That means somebody has to fall, and if you don't do that, you're kind of cheating the audience, which so, like is weird because it's like, man, I really want to see somebody fall to their death. I want to see that. Fat, <laughs> I want to see that fat fuck piece of shit just fucking explode. Like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Because everyone knows hip hop is synonymous with Motown. That's exactly. <laughs> but someone uh, went, well, he's black. Just come see proud. about me, motherfucker. Now, yeah. famously, Dave Meltzer gives this match a negative three and a half stars, which I think is stupid. <laughs> I don't, I don't. It's so stupid. <laughs> like, I'm going to give it a zero, too, because it's kind of like a non-match. Like, it, there's nothing that really happens in this. So, like, I mean, like, I I gave a zero to Elegante and said Vicious, because that was just, I mean, that this was is, yeah, that's that, that angry. Yeah. Um, um, let me ask: Is there in, in any of the will in any of the background that you got, like not not to the, the how did we get to this match? Like that's another thing too is the a scaffold. Like what are the stakes? I understand why Steve Austin and and Bobby Eaton would be wrestling because Bobby Eaton lost the TV title to Steve Austin. But where the hell do PM News and Terrence Taylor come in? Well, like it, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not. At all. I mean, we, we're going to get to the bigger drama that surrounds this card. Is like it's a miracle this show kind of happens in a way because of just some of the 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 problems on the administrative slash roster end that they run into, especially when it comes to the main event and kind of the train wreck that the last hour is of this show. In a way, like it's not a complete train wreck, but you can definitely tell where there were things that needed to be improved, and they just kind of haphazardly had to go with what they had. Um, but, um, to answer your, to get to your, get to the point on it, Jay, is like, there really only seems to be maybe like one match on this card that has like a real heat backstory to it. The the rest of them just don't. And I feel like this is just one of those two that's like, cause at the time I know Austin had just taken the TV title off Bobby Eaton. So that kind of makes sense. But last we saw PN News and Johnny B. Bad we're having that little segment on clash and we're like, Oh, okay. This is going to be a thing. Well, no, I, I guess Terrence Taylor's going to be a thing with Motown. Okay. <laughs> sure, why not? New York foundation wants to buy Motown and tear down the rec center. Only PM news can stop. Them. I just, be, the thing, the thing that got me just so mad is like how everyone just wanted to like, the, I felt like this became the focal point of the show where it was just sort of like, Oh, this is the worst match I've ever seen, and therefore it makes this like the worst card ever. It's like, I don't think so. Like to be honest, like this is, I'm I'm probably gonna forget about this match 
not long after this. You know, it's it's not that memorable. Like Sting getting set on fire, or the the what, some of the some With Vampiro. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like See, wow. So yeah. Like whoa. <laughs> hey man. Like that. <laughs> and, and this doesn't. You're taking this, this a little too far, buddy. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't age like it doesn't age well in the fact like the the. Uh, uh, the graveyard match with Vampira versus the Demon was hilarious. Now you go back and watch it, and like with some of the shit that that like Lucha Underground and some of these other things. Like if you watch the PCO videos, that's what people are into now. It was just something that I think was a little too ahead. Scaffold, like this is this is like done. This is like the Rock and Roll Express. Who who was the first one? Is the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express? I, I think so. Or the Road Warriors or something. Yeah, Road Warriors have done one. I they're. There've been a few. I forget the the you based you have named people that have been in them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Those teams have all been in there because Cornette, I know, falls in one. Right, he takes the fall. I think. I think he does, but that's where we're getting at. Is is you know like there you remember? Oh, scaffold matches. I kind of remember it. So I mean, what's the what's the point of doing something so dangerous? You know, it's like hanging Boss Man from the Hell in a Cell. That's it. <laughs> it's done. We killed the gimmick. So yeah, um, it's it it's not good. I mean, it's obviously not good. I don't think it deserves like just the raking over the coals that it kind of gets out there. Like, I mean, it's it's a major like it's a major lumber problem. Like, you don't have the right stuff to do it. I mean, you were just better off not doing it in the first place. But I don't think giving it a negative rating is really like like that. Just seems kind of excessive. I don't know if I can give anything a negative rating, right? Well, like, it's, it's it's bullshit. You can't get less than zero. I mean, you, it, yeah. if, if Meltzer did that, he did that for attention. Yeah, sort of like the seven star matches. I see. That's show. just like, what are we? What are we doing? What are we what doing? Is that? Yeah, he, the, like every Kenny Omega match is over five stars now. I feel like is that right, Jason? Like pretty much every one of his. Uh, Abe, yeah, I mean, does it, like, it, doesn't he only funny. go up to five stars? That's what I'm saying. Is at that point, you know, I like oh, someone's tweet. Okay. Someone's tweet that they did was like maybe all of Meltzer's. Sk- L has been on ten stars. And he just really, he just hates wrestling. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so I and mean, it's like so when he, when you do a match, you're saying this is negative. What he's three and a half? Is he going to take stars away from some other match? Negative three and, and a half. Like, That's like being four hundred and one and one half pounds. Three. <laughs> give him his two pounds. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. He's a super heavyweight. I forgot. Yeah, it's arbitrary. It's just. I mean, like, just say, you know what, like, like zero. The only reason why I do zero is like, it's with Will. It's like, there's, this is, this, this, it's a non-match. Yeah. And, and if they're probably going, if you, if I'd go back and redo some of these, like, or apply some of these grades, I don't think we, we didn't do this in the beginning, obviously. We didn't do uh, ratings on matches and things of that nature. I'm sure there were plenty of contenders for zeros in season one. I'm sure that Absolutely. there was probably some. Yeah. Uh, um, but the chain match, the Vampiro, the Wall, and Berlin, oh, where oh. they kept taking the the strap off of the other one and putting it. Yeah, that one. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, Hogan and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Oh my God. Because like that's the thing. Like in 2000, like it just gets to that point where it's like, oh, we're gonna do another Jeff Jarrett, or we're gonna do another franchise thing. Jesus, those. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the green because I just looked at the card again. That was the show where the franchise and the wall have a tables match that's like like isn't it, I think it's like two out of three tables, but they don't 
break one of the table or I forget what it is. Like it's some goofy tables match, but like they, they don't break one of the tables or something. Like it's just kind of. When they a, ring the bell. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> we, we know. Well, he touched the table. We know where you're going with it. I heard, I heard a crack. That'll do it. All right, let's get beyond this crap. Let's get to the. Um, all right, this show has got a ton of. Let's cut to Jim Ross and Tony to kill oh time. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Did Tony dye his hair? Yes. Yes. Okay, Jesus, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he, he has this smile the whole he, time, like he's stoned. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and can we talk about like I've been saving this for a while because I wanted to see how often I could catch it happening. And I, I think I just hit the wall this time. Uh, have you noticed, like, when Jr. does a sign off, like, let's go back to Gary Michael Capetta. He does this goofy ass smile. <laughs> yeah. He just. Yeah. And you know, what's cool is Tony. Tony doesn't look at the camera. Tony looks like off camera at the he floor. Did, you're right. Yeah. Contemplates suicide. He was, he's embarrassed. Like, why are you smiling? At? You yeah. Know, like, I never saw Jr. smile in WWF. Not once. Nope. <laughs> like, and WCW, he's just I'm fucking happy to be here. You know. <laughs> the, Commentary so, to follow Cruz during this during this vamping sequence, which is six minutes, by the way. I timed it. I went back. I was like, God, that's a long time. I thought someone cool was coming out because it, there's like bellowing smoke or something that keeps flowing in front of Jim Ross and Tony. And then when nothing comes, out, I go, is someone like vaping in 1991? It's just like, because <laughs> it comes, like there's no one with smoke. I was like, oh, they mentioned Oz. I go, oh, OK, cool. But they don't see Oz's smoke. It's not there. And it's way too early. It's fucking it's 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 awesome and they just they run out of stuff to talk about and just start repeating it tony did you dye your hair <laughs> you know, tips, tony. and why did you dye it that color like, that reminds me of the 84 orange bowl it's like oh fuck god damn oh, god it damn. We're, we're in for the long haul <laughs> uh, is this gonna be a long story <laughs> jesus but well, yeah, i was reading the paper today <laughs> <laughs> they they talk yeah, boomer about, sooner. <laughs> boomer sooner. <laughs> they they talk the world title picture, talking about Ric Flair and everything associated with that. How this bash is going to be the start of a new era. They're they're big on this, and they close the show with this as well. This is a new era. We got a statement going tonight. Whatever. Um, we've got two cages tonight. Two cage matches. That's too too many. Like that. Back to back. That's just that's not good. You know we're in for it. Bischoff makes his season debut as he is interviewing Paulie dangerously about his cage match with Arn Anderson against Missy Hyatt and Rick Steiner. Paul guarantees a phone call will get her out of That's WC- a hell of a replacement. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Missy do a Frankenstein. Missy with the Frankenstein. Yeah, you want it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Again and again. Yes. Uh, Paul guarantees a phone call will get her out of WCW for good, and Arn Anderson will take care of Rick Steiner. This is when Ar- I don't I don't know where Arn Anderson got his promo notes, like where he went to, because this is a Dude, little disturbing. Got lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you treat us like, like I was like, it's 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 one of those promos where you're watching and you're like, keep going, keep going, <laughs> like you're like cheering him on, and then he fucks up. And you're like, God damn it, he was doing good. Yeah. yeah. You want to lock us in a cage like criminals? We'll be criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
and like he re re repeats that like a couple times. He says like, well, if you lock us up like criminals, we're gonna do criminal things, aggravated assault, and then the coup de gras is. <laughs> and if Missy Hyatt sticks her head in the cage, I'll make a real woman out of her. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah. He just watched the lawn. Oh my. <laughs> Oh my god. Ooh. And I love how like it's so nineteen ninety one. There's no crowd reaction to that. <laughs> Today that would get an incredible pop. Like, oh shit. Oh double A. You know and... What? <laughs> Are you serious? People would now I, I I would love it if somebody did Whoa double A that would that would be awesome. <laughs> Because I, 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 I well, just, well, that somebody would be me. I feel you don't hear shit like that anymore. Would, so Arn Anderson is changing his name to the Forcer. Arn Anderson. Yeah, the Forcer. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if like this, see like I miss the the, I, I miss times like this where like like you know when Austin does Austin three sixteen and. Michael PSAs tries to go like, you know, that's not necessary. You know, you really don't need it. He just cuts him off and keeps going. Oh, like, it would have been, been funny if Bishop was like, whoa, whoa, I think we're getting a little bit excited. You shut up, Bishop. Throws him <laughs> off the... <laughs> Powerbomb through that tape. Anderson <laughs> becomes the biggest name in wrestling. Well, then Eric Well then Eric kind of is like, well, I want to make, make a woman out of her before he does. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that segment that comes later. Just like, what the fuck is this? I think he has a line where he says, no lack of competence in Arn Anderson. <laughs> what a... <laughs> <laughs> That's not confidence. Jesus. <laughs> the most unintentional comedic moment. <laughs> No lack of confidence. <laughs> and I, I, I was really like, oh, okay, I guess we'll go to the ring. Nope, we're going to go back to JR and Tony. <laughs> More. <laughs> Tony, let's talk about that hairdo. Uh, We've got Lex I lost L- the bet. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Lex Luger versus Barry Windham, Sting versus Koloff in a Russian chain match that JR says Koloff has never lost. Also, uh, Elegante's taking on the one man gang. Jesus. Um, apparently Eligante is a surprise for both One Man Gang and Kevin Sullivan. They never really pay this off. Um, they also comment that Eligante has improved his English. Awesome. Dude, they say this every show. Every show, I feel like, it's like, well, he's gotten a lot better at English, and I'll tell you, he's a hell of a conversationalist, and he's improved his wrestling skills. This is like the third show in a row they've said this shit, and I'm like, he adds one move a show. <laughs> well, that's better. <laughs> but he takes one move away. Like, I'm like, well, where's that claw move? Like, when's the last time he fucking Sid? Sid was the last time he did the claw. He's not even doing the claw move anymore. Remember when he used to do the big boot, but he would only do it to the stomach because that's the size his fucking leg could get. I just love every time he has the cello move. His selling is the best. <laughs> Why? Like, I would. I don't care about the wrestling. I don't care about the mic skills. I do care about his selling. Because yeah, because it's just WrestleMania nine is always the peak for me. It's like that was when he absolutely overdid it. But just. The, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta wait for that match for me because there's some, there's some notes. I do feel like, he, I feel like he, every time he gets hit, it's like he's been poisoned by Putin. Like is what happens. <laughs> 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 oh, or it's like his, 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 uh, you know, he's being exposed to the air on Mars, and it's <laughs> <laughs> like a Total Recall. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Big idiot. All right. 
And then uh, to cap it off, like it, it's it's really kind of they bury the lead. It's like you have Richard Morton versus Robert Gibson. That should be a huge match. Okay, but we'll get to it. Um, because up next is the Diamond Stud with DDP uh, taking on the Z-Man. Charlie, uh, <laughs> the first of many matches where we just are bringing out the hoe train. <laughs> Remind me, why do we like Tom Zink? <laughs> we used to be really high on him before this season, but I, I swear I have not seen a decent match out of this guy. And and, and his quality of opponents is getting better. Like Scott Hall, like I, I find that his uh, the Diamond Stud, his wrestling from the previous show to this show, I think he's greatly improved. It's it's just he was such a natural. My favorite part of the match isn't even the match though, because uh, once again, it's one of those things that you hear and you go, I kind of missed that. When one of those hoes gets in the ring, as you called them, and DDP goes, yeah, come in here, toots. <laughs> Popped huge for that. I love that. Um, the the It's a pretty physical match. Like like It looks like they're really going at it and hitting each other hard. Uh, I, wonder, I was wondering how long it would take. Luckily, it was only two matches. Um, and it's the first of many, as JR calls them, karate kicks. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of variations of the karate kick. <laughs> Once again, and um, I think I wrote it every time. So I believe this one was a basically a super kick or a sweet chin music, whatever you want. Karate kick, fuck it. Um, this is when I saw. I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying not to like look out in the crowd too much. I did see that Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I couldn't think of a name as good as that. Uh, but there's a guy sitting really close to her, and this is when I noticed him. And this guy is fucking whacked. Uh, he, he's, he's he's wearing a black tank top and jorts. Uh, oh yeah, is this is this uh, Teddy Mercury, the guy with the real thick like Freddie Mercury mustache? Teddy Mercury, yes. yes, he's got a mustache, and this guy is just. I feel like I feel like like an eight year old boy went up to the Zoltar machine and said, "I want to be big," but it happened in like Alabama, and he became this asshole, and, because like any anything that he likes, he's jumping up and down. And I think the woman next to him is with him. He talks to her like every every thirty minutes, and she's just like, "Yes, this is very fun for me." Uh, <clears throat> there's so the one two three count happens. I can't even remember what the move was that the diamond stud. Did. Oh, oh, that's right. It was a belly to back suplex. Uh, and the reason I remember this is so he be- he gives uh, after a distraction from uh, DDP, he gives Tom Zank a belly to back suplex, a German suplex. Does a nice bridge. Z-Man doesn't move his legs, he doesn't wiggle around, just lays there, takes the three count, and the second the three count hits, he stands right up. And he's like, what happened? What happened? It's <laughs> like, dude, you didn't fucking move. Like, it, it, he no-sold it completely like, by getting up, because, like I said, he'd never moved once he hit the mat. And he's just like, well, shit, I didn't see that ending happening. It just, it just didn't seem like bullshit to me. He didn't, he didn't struggle at all. Uh, I did enjoy Diamond Stud. I love Scott Hall, so I, I gave this a. You said a four. I gave it a four. Okay, Jason, what'd you think of it? Well, uh, I'm surprised Charlie didn't call it out. Hopefully, I'm not stepping on your toes, Will. But the Z-Man didn't say WCW in his entrance here. Um, <laughs> he didn't. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what's here's the thing it's like there's this very subtle non-told story if here we got the diamond stud right the dude who's like supposed to be sexy that women are brought in from town to town 
to rip off his pants, right? And who's his opponent? The Z-Man, WCW sexiest wrestler. They're battling for sexy, baby. That's what's so cool, especially when the Z-Man comes out with these women. Never seen him do that. Look at these women. Yeah, Baltimore's mediocrist. All right. <laughs> um, also, so the, the lady that, that DDP picks out of the crowd, who dresses like that to go to a restaurant? Oh, <laughs> She's like, I'm going to pick me up a husband. Yeah. That's what she said. Jason um, Hervey's coming for her. Missy <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Hyatt dyed her hair. He doesn't know who she is anymore. <laughs> like Clark Clint's glasses. Um, what's cool, though, is this match gets right to it. That's why I started making the joke about Tom Zink's pissed off about the stud stealing and sexy. It's because he runs. He leaves women behind and runs and jumps over the rope and just goes right right at it. I was right, really stoked about this. And then Tony Schiavone ruins it. The throat slam? No. Oh, come on. No. I, I know maybe the choke slam's not a thing yet. I don't know. And then he also says super kick to the noggin? Super, super kick. Sounds awesome. Sounds like it hits to the noggin. Oh, no. I like the throat slam. It's like it's, it's like the grave marker pile driver. You know, it's just you know what it is, but it's like no, that doesn't sound quite menacing enough. You know, yeah. everyone knows you gotta wait like six weeks to to three months to get your tombstones. Like I'm gonna beat you. Right. <laughs> Let's get the grave marker. Come on, Jesus. That's what always weirds me out in movies and TV shows. Someone's dead. Like the funeral. There's the tombstone. I'm like, who was planning this? <laughs> They knew the date and everything. Something's wrong. Uh, but this is where I started noticing in this match some of the very interesting people in the crowd. There was Teddy Mercury, um, the fat guy in the tight tuxedo T-shirt. Oh, man, I was hoping some Yes. People. Then you got, like, the whole row of guys that are on the right-hand side of the hard cam that, like, everyone else is, like, dressed like, okay, I got my T-shirt on, I got my tank top, whatever. All of these dudes look like they're cosplaying as Alan from Two and a Half Men. They're all in khakis with <laughs> flannel shirts just sitting in there. Uh, and they're all really, really cool for it. And then uh, you've got the Supreme Court nominee, Tom Cavanaugh, who gets that handful of Z-Man. When oh, yeah. Nice catch, over. by the way. Oh, and it was. I'm not kidding. It was a pause thing. My dog would not shut up. I was like, time to go out. I take the dog out. I come back in there, and I see the wild-eyed man. And then I was like, what's he freaking out about? And then where his hand is, I was like, oh. <laughs> it's Oh living, yeah. yeah, living Missy Hyatt's dream apparently. Tales from the pause button. <laughs> That's great. It's just the dime, <laughs> like like watching Scott Hall as a diamond stud. It's like watching this guy. I, I mean, I would like to see how he wrestled when him and like Kurt Henning were tag team partners, and and see how that goes and how he turns into what he turns into. Because this is it's just so good. Like you got a guy who's who's like I would say eighty five percent of the way there. Yeah, um, I know. It, like I look, I look, look, looking at him at this match, I was just like, I, I haven't seen this in so long. Where I can look at a guy like that and go, this guy just looks like a future star. Like this guy's going to be huge one day. <laughs> and the ironic thing is, he looks, what, what's up, Will? I'm just what's going on about, I'm thinking about a guy, like an agent, come up to like, I love Diamond Stud, but I just want to try it. I want to see what you think. Sharp knife, Raymond. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> sharp. No, man, that's Shanky Pete. That's <laughs> now what? Right, Vince is just at it. Vince, Vince looks at this guy and goes, "Miami." <laughs> it's like 
<laughs> like what is? And I also love uh, on the back. Wait, no. Razor Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ma. Razor, Razor Romano. <laughs> I'm the bad guy, Ma. Can you just get? Does that make Kevin Nash like his brother? Everybody, Raymond. Everybody loves Ramon. And Doris Roberts and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Your wife's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh, yeah. The truth of heat is Bret Hart. <laughs> Everybody loves Razor. Monday is this fall on NBC. After the we make it round. <laughs> It's like Peter Boyle's Vince McMahon. I yeah. think that's the only thing that works. He's just a grumpy bastard. Every time every time Romano comes home, everyone throws toothpicks at him. <laughs> he just walks in. How was your day? Uh, hey, yo! I <laughs> <laughs> He's making a sandwich, and, and Bret Hart is not liking it. It's not like a sandwich. I make sandwiches better, right? Razor loves how I make sandwiches. I would love to see Patricia Heaton put Doris Roberts in the sharpshooter. That'd be one. <laughs> put that I'm in the compilation. Sure it happened once. In yes, yes. You're you nailed it though. The whole premise of that show could be summed up as your wife's a bitch. Like that's that, yeah, that's that, no, like legit, legitimately. I used to watch that show and I really liked it. And there was one episode where I was like, no, this this is awful because she was so wrong in this one episode. And then Raymond ended up apologizing at the end. And I have not watched the show since. I fucking hated it. I, I since I, I called it every once in a while, it wasn't my thing. But the family guy rip on it is really summed it up. It's like they do the spinoff where it's all about his brother. And it's just brother and his wife sitting on the couch. going, I wonder what Raymond's up to, huh? Mom's probably making fun of his wife for making a bad sandwich. It was so funny. It's like that's what it is. It's just that's like that is what it is. Yeah, but but uh, and one of the worst finales ever. No one ever talks about that finale as one of the worst ones. But Jesus Christ, it's terrible. Raymond walks in and goes, "Everybody loves me, huh?" Shotgun in the mouth. And there we go. There we go. <laughs> that was that's really close. He almost dies in the finale, and then he doesn't. And then, well, that's the last episode. Fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> Now it's back as the Connors, but uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> the best. What, what's cool is you've you've got this guy as we were talking who's like eighty five percent of the way there, and then like you see like we're part of the fifteen percent, and it's the word stud that looks like it's written and drawn to look like a barbed wire on his back, uh, on right on his little trunks there. It's like no, uh, that's where we're going. Um, this was a, you know, it was a good match. It was, you know, it was really okay match. Uh, my only problem is, is they talk about this diamond death drop a lot, and it doesn't nope. happen. <laughs> it's like this guy, folks, he's got this, he's got this devastating fishing move. It's called the diamond death drop, the D D D, and you don't see it. So you're like the one, <laughs> like you're, you, you've automatically got to think like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> yeah, if you've never seen it before, <laughs> I, I paid to watch this. And this guy doesn't do it. It must be bad. <laughs> Have you but, noticed that he spells his name with two D's yet on the back of his tights? Yeah, it's just one D. That's a problem. Like, I think, I think somebody messed up. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, the diamond stud or the diamond stutter. The diamond stud. <laughs> <laughs> diamond stud. 
but hey, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a chunk from the fucking. Hey, you. <laughs> Diamond thud. <laughs> the women have to, the 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 girls or whatever they bring in, they just have to take off his shoes. Like that's all it is. Like it's just really, really. It's not like all thing now. Yeah. <laughs> no, they just have to sexually unwrap a baby Ruth and give it to him. It's like crash. That would be Scott Hall now. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I give this match a five. <laughs> uh, this thing's really clumsy. I think it's just a, such a... Part of the problem is Z-Man is so much smaller than Diamond Stud. Like He's so much smaller. Like, obviously, we know Scott Hall is definitely hitting the gas, like, big time during this, oh, this yeah. era. He is huge. And Z-Man just does... Like, I mean... Thank God he's got those karate kicks uh, because that's about the only thing that he can do to him is his variation on it. But uh, I there's one of my favorite. There, this is one of my two favorite moments happens on this show. I really don't know if there's a good best of luck spot tonight. To be honest, I don't think there is like one. I I, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, what I absolutely love though is when Nick Patrick like stud like a bunch like every big guy you club to the back. Boom just delivers another club to the back. And Nick Patrick, what do you say, Z-Man? Like, wh- are you expecting him to give up? Like, I... <laughs> oh, damn it. It's awesome. That did it. <laughs> that did it for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, what my note about the entrance, Jason, was that I think he looks back to see if his cam is there. And he gets really mad that it's not. He's like, oh, fuck it. I'm diving over the top rope. Let's get this thing started. <laughs> fuck it. He <laughs> probably bad. yelled WCW while it was jumping. Running. Yeah. WCW! Just go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I give this a four. Like, I... I yeah, I, that's where I'm sticking with it. Um, JR and Tony. Think they, they talk about how we haven't seen Oz in a while. But they have, we but they have, <laughs> they have seen Ron Simmons, who is moving up the rankings. All right, get your football references, folks. Get them ready because you're about to get like just. Oh man! Oh man! The oh, dump man. truck is backing up as we speak. We have Oz um, with the great, um, I call him the great Kizzard Sullivan, <laughs> uh, taking on Ron Simmons. The All-American Ron Simmons, I'm sorry. that You have to have that in front of it. Like you got to call him the All-American Ron Simmons because that's what Capetta calls him. That's what JR is calling him. <laughs> we have to stick to this. Oh, yeah. Um, my first thought was, please tell me he tries to tornado powerbomb Ron Simmons. Please. Oh. No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But I will say the ovation for Ron Simmons is pretty big. The face turn is really taking off. It's taking off in a hurry, which is cool because it's going to be headed to some good things for him. It, JR is just salivating to get into the football talk, and it doesn't take long before we're recapping again the, his Ron Simmons's career at Florida State. And um, <laughs> uh, there's one fan who's just. Immediately not on board with this match, though. 
And you can hear them starting to shout boring a lot. Yeah, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty deafening. <laughs> and I mean, like, if this guy thought this was boring, I, I would have been curious, like, maybe at the beginning of the show or maybe some of the other matches later on to get this guy's thoughts on what's going on. Like, when you think about it, it's really cool. It's like, this is Kevin Nash versus Ron Simmons. Right. Yeah, it's like, I've never right. even thought of those two fighting before. We've Granted, also been... Not We've final been, form of Kevin Nash. Right. And it's funny, like it's not even like like the Ron Simmons like we really enjoy at the end. Like, you know, right. APA where it's just gonna beat up everybody. Um uh, The thing is, like, we've been ready for Oz to take on more than just jobbers. And we're like, okay, maybe this isn't that bad. In this match it's bad. Like there's I I don't think the guy like Nash hasn't come along far enough to where he actually has offense that he can use in a match against non-jobbers because it's basically clubs of the back a lot that's about all um it's about all he can really muster in this my favorite part of the night is this moment here he goes for the second bear hug but he he doesn't realize what time how much time has gone on in the match because you can clearly see mike atkins say nah man we're going home (laughs) and he aborts the bear hug, and it goes right into a Ron Simmons comeback that finishes the match with like, like he 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 creates this the John Cena five moves of doom, like he's he this is where it starts like it's he, but hits, he cuts it off at three right. <laughs> he does three of these shoulder tackles. He wipes out the the, the great wizard, and he wins. Like just like we we went from oh man he's gonna get put into a bear hug not again. Nope. <laughs> bip, 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 bip. One, two, three. All American. Coming out of the W. Uh, I gave it a three. This 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 isn't very good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jason, what you think? Oz's hair looks like it's made of dryer lint. It, and I'm not talking about the wig. I'm talking when he takes it off. It just looks fake shit. Um, Jim Ross says, Oz is a very impressive individual. When he disrobes, we will see that he is huge and very, very strong. Jim Ross is in love. <laughs> he just wants him a piece of Kevin Nash, uh, and it's great. Ron Simmons, when he comes out, he ain't got time for the lighting to change or to find new music. Still rolling with the Doom music. Um, and I thought it was the Great Wizard out there yelling boring the whole time. Because they show him, he's just like standing on the apron. Like, not looking in the ring. He's kind of leaning up against the freaking post. And he's got one leg up. And he's wearing, under his great wizard robe, he's wearing slacks and a t-shirt. Dude's not even trying. It's like, come on, man. I got to be out here with a one-man gang. Come on. Let's go. Even in Oz, they have laundry day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. It's just uh, it's just the the three attempts to get Oz over the top rope. I mean, it might have been a mistake because Kevin Nash couldn't get over, it, but it worked because Oz is is so big. You know, it's like it's oh good. Ron Simmons had to give it of his all. Uh, Oz calls for a test of strength, and he's holding his hand up. And Ron Simmons keeps looking out to the crowd like he's on the Price Is Right, trying to figure out how much it is. It's like how much strength should I give it? Yes, seventeen dollars. We go for a can of peas. Yes, seventeen dollars for a can of peas. Um, 
it's just I, I don't know this uh I guess well you said you summed it up it's like Oz was like really cool when he's murdering jobbers and then he comes in and he's got a challenge and I feel that that's a really big jump from you know Joey Mag no that was awesome for whoever he was doing to Ron Simmons it's like <laughs> those guys like you know he's kind of pushed, like nope uh <laughs> also wondered if Ron Simmons was getting mad because he thought they said the Grand Wizard because, man, he cuts that oh, dude no. a look. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, Hang on, Oz. You wait right there. I got to kick this guy's ass. <laughs> uh, but no, like, <clears throat> it was, it, 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 it is what it is, and it is a three. Real quick, I, I, what else? <laughs> the idea that we're going to do a test of strength spot with a seven-foot guy and Ron Simmons. What are we thinking here? What's the plan? Yeah. Like, <laughs> because inevitably, in a test of strength with a, a really tall guy, they have to move their arms down so they can lock up. Like, they, they have to. You automatically yeah. win. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> like if Undertaker did it with Taka. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Work the joints. Work the joints. Man, Come on, Taka, mercy. what do you say? <laughs> There, uh, Charlie, choppy, choppy. What, what'd you think of this? Okay, so I've been pretty high on Oz for the last couple of shows, and uh, I have no shame about it. I love that entrance. And then WCW fooled me. Uh, he comes out, and this pyro goes off, and it fits him really well. And, it's, and I actually wrote a note. Wow, really cool pyro. It's great. And then every subsequent wrestler who came out after him like it through the rest of the show had the exact same pyro. Like you walk here, and then the, and then the two sparkle things go up off to the sides of them, and then again and again. And this, it, it's not special for this person; it's just for every, everybody. So I, I, that kind of ruined it for me. The match starting with grapples and side headlocks. <laughs> this is never good. You've got these two big guys. I mean, Ron Simmons is a big guy. But but Kevin Nash is way bigger, and it's like oh yeah yeah let's just, let's just I just want clubbing forearms to the back and 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 you know just just solid like beat him up kind of style wrestling and just all right man let's talk about this for a second and side headlocking oh my god and and the boring thing came in at the exact right time because I was like I like it when Oz fights jobbers and I was so hopeful because I'm like well this will be cool Oz will beat Ron Simmons and he'll he'll get to keep going you know it's like like i'm forgetting that oz doesn't become anything you know it's like wcw is kind of fooling me into thinking that oz is going to be a main eventer one day and it's going to be really cool and it's and uh, uh so when the ending finally happens it's very underwhelming my favorite spot actually is the test of strength spot because like i said i had the headphones in and so so oz is calling for the test of strength and ron simmons is like i don't know and uh there's a woman in the crowd off camera you can hear her yelling no, no, no. <laughs> like, she, she knows Ron Simmons is going to get annihilated if he does this. <laughs> but he's, he, she's smarter than he is. It's, just, it's really, really funny. Um, every time there's almost a cool move, they keep cutting to that brother, that, that uh, big brother camera from season one. You know, the, the one that's like up where the scaffold is. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't see shit. You know, it's like. Well, like that does a lot of favors for Kevin Nash. He's almost seven feet tall, and then when they show that camera, he looks like a fucking ant, you know. And, and then Jr. God, he he actually did this. So I mentioned it on one of the previous shows where uh, the mystique of Oz is kind of ruined, not just by the taking off of the mask, but when he enters the ring, he steps over the top rope, 
but anytime like he like gets thrown out of the ring or leaves the ring and he goes back in, yeah, he goes in like any normal wrestler through the uh, the, the through the top and middle. And he did it again. And Jr. actually pointed it out. And, oh God! So then like that second bear hug <laughs> happened, and I I was just about done. And thank God I missed the referee call because that thing was over so fast. Because I went down to right and then I looked up and then Ron Simmons was doing shoulder blocks. I was like, what the hell did he get out? And then he hits three of them, gets a one, two, three. Uh, this kind of killed Oz for me, sadly. Because uh, it's just, why would you have him beat two jobbers? Like, like did they lose the Wizard of Oz rights? Did MGM pull them from Ted Turner? Yeah, like it seemed like they were really behind this guy. And it's like, nah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Ron Simmons, and I love that they're getting behind him. And any time that you start an all-American or a born-in-the-USA type of of, of moniker to a character that means that they're at the head of the train and they're going to fucking barrel that thing right down the track. You know, it's like, uh, we can't boo this asshole, you know? And, uh, I, I, I wish that Ron had beaten someone else. I would, I, I would have just preferred Oz to beat another jobber. Cause my God, like it's always like a top three contender for best of luck spot of the night when he does that power bomb. And I hated not seeing it, even though it never even crossed my mind that he was going to do the move because I think I just instinctively knew Ron Simmons would never take that move ever. Like, like that's for jobby rich or somebody, you know? So, um, I gave this, Oh, we did see a sidewalk slam. I do want to point that out. Nash is doing the sidewalk slam. So at least he had one move under there. Uh, I gave this a four. Uh, JR has got an awesome likes. I, I'm, I'm not positive, but I think we're right at the end of the line for Oz. And what's funny is, like, you talk about guys like they're building. Like, they gave this guy jobber matches. They've given Diamond Stud all this stuff. He's about to just be turned into a jobber almost. Uh, and it's... I think we're... I don't know when it happens. I think we're a little bit away, but we still have yet another Kevin Nash character to get through before the season's over with, which I can't oh, wait. Oh, Vinny Vegas. That's right. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow, that's three characters for him in WCW alone. Just in one season of us. <laughs> yeah. And and Vinny Vegas is basically like the prototype for Diesel. Yes. So, yeah. yeah that, oh, that's very cool. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I totally thought, oh, once this odds thing is done, he's off to WWF. <laughs> the, uh, the, so, the line that really sums it up that this is probably, if not the end, we're really close. When JR says, looks like Oz is returning down the yellow brick road. It's like, well, oh, God. I, <laughs> I guess this isn't serious anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the man behind the curtain has been exposed. You know, like he, he might as well have said that. That's so stupid. It's such a layup of a fucking line. You know, just like yep. You don't even have to have seen the movie to say something like that. I, I'm sorry, like that really pissed me off. But I didn't write it down because I was like, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. That is too fucking easy of a joke to make. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. Like that came out of fucking nowhere. I know, but like, no, it's all right. You're. JR is so good when he, when he's on. Like, there's nobody better than him. And then he says shit like that. And it's and, and I, I imagine if Michael Cole had said that, I, there would have been spit all over my television. It's, it's when he becomes James From Ross. You. All of a sudden, when JR does these moments, and there are some, they're more throughout it. He still does in WWF periodically. It's, oh, no, it's not JR. It's James Ross. Oh, fuck this. Oh, damn James it. James Ross. <laughs> Did JR... Just join the York Foundation. <laughs> 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 J- 
No, not Anthony Schiavone too. <laughs> he looks through a Rolodex <laughs> for his answers. Like he doesn't have the computer. He, he's kind of like stage one York Foundation. <laughs> Version so wait, one. Is, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. Stage one York Foundation. So are they a pyramid scheme? <laughs> right? You just got to keep recruiting people to level. She, she, <laughs> like Wall Street's the top. Even though he's not there, he's the cream of the crop. <laughs> well, I got Terrence Taylor and Richard Morton under me. They've got Anthony Schiavone. Wouldn't it be great if he goes, hey, 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 Tom, we can do a lot of things for you. First of all, we can make you Thomas. We can make you Thomas Zink. <laughs> And all you have to do is sell it back. Yeah, man. would have never thought of this. Like, we, got, we got Ronald Simmons selling Amway. Ronald Simmons. <laughs> all you have to do is sell this box of pressures. What? I mean, did you did? Did any of your parents ever do Amway? Because mine did. So I've seen this garbage and how you're supposed to do it. It's hilarious. The crap, like the low-end, cheap-ass products are amazing. Because I remember like when my dad got like the shitty-ass Pop-Tarts, and I was like, the fuck is this, man? I wanted to eat Pop-Tarts. I don't eat this thing in like a generic <laughs> wrapper. <laughs> fuck you, Dad. <laughs> it was the... <laughs> Even my mom, like, I remember the toilet paper. It was like... No, we're not doing this. Oh, like, no, no, that's where I draw the line, dude. No way. It's a bunch of just cheap-ass <laughs> shit. And I remember listening to the tapes. I would listen to the tapes because, you know, it's your dad, so you want to, like, you know, see what he's doing. So it's like, all right, let's listen to these tapes. The worst <laughs> crap about trying to sell people. It's like, oh, go fuck yourselves. All right, JR and Tony <laughs> talking. <Dad>. To- <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> I mean, I get it. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, for our parents' generation, this Amway thing is like, man, you, all I have to do is just go sign up some people and I'll make some money. Yeah, yeah that's that's how it works, all right. Like diarrhea. All right. JR and Tony talk about Robert Gibson and, Mort- and Richard Morton's upcoming match. But before we get to that match, we got to go through the top ten. No, no, number 10, Johnny B. Bad. Number 9, Ron Simmons. Number 8, The Diamond Stud. Number 7, Eligante. Number 6, Arn Anderson. Number 5, Beautiful Bobby. Number 4, Stunning Steve Austin, the World Television Champion. Number 3, Sting. Number 2, Barry Windham. And number 1, the United States Champion, Luke Luger. Lex Luger. And uh, Nikita Koloff. Absent from the top ten as well. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my favorites. Stan Hansen. Stan. Bader. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 questionable. So that takes us to uh, Jason. We've got Robert Gibson taking on Richard Morton in a in a man. This is a blood feud. This is a goddamn blood feud. <laughs> it, it's, thank you, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> The intensity that this I'd love match. to hear Undertaker review this match. Yes, oh man, I hope when he's done, he has he Up. Steve Austin talks him into doing a fucking podcast, <laughs> and it's just him doing reviewing shows like this. <laughs> one man, just one man. Just, he does it all. <laughs> man, what did I miss? Oh, he goes back. We today on talk. Well. The, 
There is a talking taker podcast already. The big evil podcast. We're doing the streak again. <laughs> he calls it the Mark I'm... Calloway podcast. <laughs> oh God. No, man. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> I my my illustrious wife, Michelle. <laughs> um, so Robert Gibson versus Richard Morton and the team that was so it's like they went to Ricky Morton and said okay Ricky we're going to change your character okay you're going to be part of the York Foundation real business class stable so your name's going to be Richard okay that sounds good we need you to cut your hair nope okay well how about let's retire why Okay, well, how about at least acknowledging your manager, Miss Short? Nah, man, I'll just take off my jacket and throw it at her feet while I'm walk- while she walks behind me on my way to the ring, okay? Okay, sounds good. Like, why is he doing it. this? Why is what? Why is he doing this? It you know, doesn't like, make... It, exactly. It, it, he could just be sick and tired of... He could just feel like I'm anchored to... You could do anything. Okay, Robert Gibson got hurt. So Ricky Morton meandered. Meandered by himself. And then, you know, then Robert Gibson shows back up and Ricky, Ricky could just be like bitter. You don't have to be part of the, the York Foundation for this to work. And it's especially because he I mean, he's he's part of it in name only. Literally, like, there, there's nothing different about Ricky Morton um, as far as his appearance. And but I mean, like to give it credit, this is how a match like should start. You hear, you know, like this. Hell in a Cell, they've had all this shit, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe threatening, I'm going to go to your house, I'm going to mess with your family, and their match, for whatever reason, wasn't in a Hell in a Cell, and it starts off with, like, chain wrestling. Like, what the fuck? I'm sorry. No, this match, these two guys are pissed, they were tag team partners forever, one's pissed off at the other one for he feels like betraying him, and they start fighting on the ramp, and, like, just waylaying on each other. That's real. That's really good, but I don't understand why Richard Morton needs a computer to come up with a strategy to beat a guy that he's been tag team partners with for a fucking decade. That I don't get. Um, it's just, here we go. When both wrestlers' main offensive move is an arm drag, and they both try to arm drag each other at the same time, it creates a vacuum that just stops You're right time. over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I just dubbed it the rock and roll stalemate. Because it's like they both go for the arm jacks, like they didn't communicate, and they just kind of look at each other like, oh, and then just struggle for a minute, flip each other off. Um, at this point during the night, I know this is only like the fourth match, but I was trying to figure out what was the better match. The scaffold match, Richard Morton's match, uh, Richard Morton versus Robert Gibson's match with his fucking knee pad, or Tony Schiavone wrestling on how to say Richard Morton's name. Richie Morton, R- Rickard Morton, ah, Richard Morton. Like, dude, just if fuck up, you fuck up, just move on. Don't. He even says name. Ricky. Yeah, he says he says Ricky just goes through it. Which, if it was like new, that would be great. Oh, I just can't. If he said Ricky and said, "Man, I just can't see it," you know, I'm, I'm just that would have been fine. Um, this uh, figure four that he gets put in is a little forever too long. Um, it's just like players <laughs> going. Everyone does a figure four now. Um, that's what I called it. I called it the figure forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and to go back even further, it started got deeper into Ricky Morton refusing to change the pants. It's during the figure four. I noticed he still has Ricky on his fucking tights. Like, Oh man, but I don't get it. It's just, uh, 
at some point too, Jim Ross starts begging for the match to end. <laughs> it's just like, oh, some the refs just got to stop this match, to stop this. Match. And I'm, <laughs> you know, they are in no rush to pin each other, folks. We got to end this match. They're, they're nice. Can the same? Can the guy use the same judgment he did for the scaffold match? Just ring the fucking bell. It's like, dang, what happened? Uh, Bobby Eaton got the flag, but this is Richard Morton versus Robert Gibson. Bobby Eaton got the flag, man. Match just got to end. Um, at, at this point, Alexander York's AI has a glitch, and she walks up the stairs, walks on one side of the ring, walks halfway down the other side of the ring to get behind the referee to distract him. Um, and Fonzie just starts staring at her to figure out what's going on. Uh, and then, oh, my God, it happens. Someone finally uses the computer as a yes. weapon. Yes, which, which gives this match bonus points, uh, and it's just you know, I just got to know. I really want to know. At any point in anyone's match, has the computer said, "Use me as a weapon on the screen to give someone a strategy"? If this match, gets <laughs> if all else fails, just use me. Use, use me. <laughs> as a last ditch resort. You know, he works on his leg the entire match and then beats him by hitting that's my biggest problem and he hits him in the shoulder so with funny. it he just hits him in the yeah, shoulder yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even hit him in the knee with it fuck Devastating. oh god <laughs> oh well is someone in the figure four <laughs> are we, well, we all trying to put each other in arm drag <laughs> just stop oh no <laughs> A new blood arm drag. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. What's going what on? Like, J- Jason, what, what, do you have any? Like, please, you know, do you have your uh, rating? Do you have any more thoughts on it? Um, the, the match? Oh uh, yeah, I said I said it a little bit ago. I said four. Right oh, before I didn't hear you. The oh yeah, took yeah. us all out. <laughs> oh man. Martin's going to have to come back in time and help us. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> we were stuck. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Charlie, what did you think of this? Did you like it? <laughs> I guess <Jesus>. not. <laughs> so I noticed the pyro again. <laughs> Richard Morton's coming down here. <laughs> and... He, he he gets pyro for some reason, and the pyro on both sides goes off. It's like there's like 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 there's like six of these, and then the pyro doesn't go off for one of them. Just one of them does, like 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 adjacent, adjacent, and then nah, just one. Yeah, it's Brock Lesnar or no Kane used to have his problem. It's like when he would do that the fire thing with the turnbuckles, and one of the turnbuckles just no sold it. It's like nah, man, it's just I like it cold. Um, <laughs> There's some really interesting commentary here. I actually had to rewind this just to make sure I didn't um, mishear uh, Anthony Schiavone. But basically, he said something along the lines of, you know, uh, well, when they came on the scene, the Rock and Roll Express in 1985, you know, we had never heard of them before. And then he just kind of keeps going on and on telling the story. And then there's like a little pause. And Jair goes, well, I knew them before. 1985, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Hipster Jim Ross knowing about the rock and roll band before everybody else. <laughs> it was really weird, right? Like, it just, what was that? Like, it just, he just flat out, like, just, 
just stopped him in his tracks when he said that. Um, uh, I like it's really weird, Jason, because you pointed it out, and I'm trying to figure out what he's doing. So, Ricky Morton is wearing the same shit, and he's doing basically the same stuff. His hair looks the same, but then he does these weird heel things. Like he he actually says to he tries to shake Robert Gibson's hand, and he goes, "Shake my hand." We were champs four times. Like, oh, that's right, we were. Like, okay, I'll shake your hand. Like, that's a weird thing to say to get someone to shake your hand that used to be your partner. Come on. <laughs> and it was around this time that I realized that um, I don't think the York Foundation is doing anybody any favors because no one from the York Foundation is in the top ten. <laughs> that's true. No one, no one, and, and they're and, and which is weird because they're all on the shows. Like they're on every show that we do. Uh, you know, at least one of them is, especially Terrence Taylor, and nobody. You know who else wasn't in the top ten? Though that I think of it was fucking uh, Dustin Rhodes. I wasn't. He's he not. It the last he, time. Like, uh, I don't. He, remember. He's not. Okay. I don't remember. But but stunning Steve Austin is. Yeah. Like, like, well, he's got a title. I mean, he at well, least I guess that gets you up there. But we've seen him twice. Like Dustin's actually had like multiple matches with like good mid card talent and beaten them. I, I just. I don't think York Foundation's helping anybody here. Um, there is he, uh, and like I said, R- Ricky's doing all this heel shit, like working on his leg constantly, like tearing off the the tights and and just working on the brace. You, I actually heard a fan <laughs> sound it had to be snark uh, scream scream out loud off camera. Come on, Morton, show sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that um, goes pretty good. Um, I did like Robert Gibson using his leg brace as a weapon. He was like, yeah, finally. And then Tony had to, had to explain it to me. Well, it's got steel. Yeah, it's got some steel on the back. Like, that's why he did it. Oh, well, why didn't he do that earlier? Um, one thing I was impressed with this match was that they, they even though it's mainly like leg based, uh, they managed to keep all this shit on the ground. Like there wasn't much high flying stuff, which was kind of what I was expecting uh, from, from these two guys. I mean, there was an abundance of uh, drop kick attempts. In fact, there's a double drop kick attempt on the ramp, and the sound that it makes when they just hit the ramp just thud. <laughs> it was it was really bad. I was like, oh god, you know, like why would you do that? Um, Robert Gibson does an excellent enziguri. Unfortunately, it's a karate kick. <laughs> Once again. Um, and then yes, of course they they use the computer and or Rick, Ricky Morton using computer. Which like I said, like I was wondering if I was <laughs> if I was bothered by this since he was working on the legs so much. Like typically in a match like this, if Robert Gibson were to lose, he would try to do um, one of his moves that he's known for, and his leg would give out, and that's why he, he would get pinned, which was kind of the ending I was expecting. But um, I just I, the, I I just like Richard just go fuck it and just hit them with the computer <laughs> it's just it's a very heel thing to do like not just from a, doing it with a computer but like it was kind of a misdirection and i was just i thought it was hilarious um this was i i thought this match could have been better although i will say i did enjoy it um I, this is probably my favorite uh, this is this is the best match for me on the card i gave this a six all right um Uh, Tony. All right, so Tony says at one point, like I, I, there are two blatant indications, even beyond the one you said, Jason, that even the announcers are really bored with this match, because Tony says, you know what, uh, 
Um, <laughs> I lo- That's not a good start. <laughs> and this match really started uh, really, really hot, and it's really kind of grinded to a halt. <laughs> and then JR follows up a little later. He's like, you know, I thought we would see a different match. <laughs> yeah, I did too. There's a lot of these clues that, like, ooh, this was, uh, yeah, uh, man, I, I love the opening of this match, and then it's downhill from there quickly uh, because yeah. it was just. I, do you think before? Do you think this is why the main event goes on, not the main event, and the ending is like a a minute and a half? Is because this match went on way too long or something? I think that. Ma- <laughs> I, well, how long did it go? Because it really did feel like. A long time. Yeah, this was a long... I, I didn't Did get you the time. time it well? Did I time it? No, I, I can look it up in a second. This one does go on, like, forever, though. I'll look it up right now as I'm... Um... I mean, it truly... I, I want to say it's probably 15 minutes. It felt like 20. Which, see. five minutes in wrestling is just a, an eternity sometimes. It's, um... The end. The the main event is just there's there's. I think there are other things that are in play there as to why that that is so short. Not to like, mention it shouldn't even be the main event, but whatever. Um, pulling up here, we go seventeen minutes, and I put perspective on that. Each of the matches from the scaffold, Diamond Stud, Zinc, Simmons, Oz, none of those matches reached ten minutes. This one goes 17. And, yeah, it feels it feels it, too. Because it just seems like it just becomes very one note after a while. It's like, all right, we're just going to work this leg. And, I mean, there's nothing... I mean, that's that's very basic pro wrestling is to work a body part and, you know, get heat from there, build a comeback and everything. <laughs> but, uh, I I mean, looking at it, I, I really can't say anything more than what... I, I The York thing's funny because it just looks like she was completely out of position for her finish. And you could just hear her internal dialogue, ah, shit. <laughs> I'm in the wrong spot. What, what did she do? She gets in the ring. She prances around. She, she gets out of the ring. And then no, the she doesn't even do that. Well, what did she, she just, do? She walks it. Like, that's why I said it. Like, it looked like the game when you're trying to you, you do one of the things that instigate a sequence, but people aren't in the right spot. She just does that drone walk up the stairs. She moves across one apron without moving her feet and then just slides around into the corner and stands on the... She's like goes to the opposite corner from right. where she was she and needed just stands to be, there. She needed to be opposite hard cam. She is instead, yeah. I think, on the ramp side. So she had... So <laughs> she needs... Because being on the hard cam side, it's easy. All she has to do is slide over to the other side of the ring pop up on the apron, distract Fonzie, so he's, you know, on the complete 180 from where, you know, the compute the IBM massacre occurs. And then <laughs> that'll be the end of the match. So yeah, it's that I'm shocked that doesn't happen more often where like, you know, you just get like you just kinda tune out because, you know, a match is just going on way too long and you forget about where you're supposed to be at the finish. <laughs> this is or you can be like the big boss man taking a shit at the Survivor Series. Like, oh, man, I missed my cue. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. He, he pops out of the bathroom stall whipping around the nightstick like he's ready to go. Like, I've just cleared my shit out. I'm ready to go. He shits out the baton. <laughs> yeah. Comes running down. He's still got toilet paper, like, stuck to the bottom of his feet. <laughs> Um, 
before the Smash started, I was like, oh, maybe this will be part one of, like, they'll do a couple of these. And it's like, after this, I was like, I hope they don't, because it's just... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I had a thought, like, I was like, well, why isn't he switching his attire or cutting his hair? Probably because he knows that they're going to reunite at some point, <laughs> and he doesn't want to have to grow the hair back out. Like, I'm, willing, I'm willing to bet Ricky Morton knows that this is just temporary. <laughs> like, what would be really cool is if, like, you know, Robert Gibson had to leave because of his leg injury, and then Ricky joined the, the York Foundation. It would be great if this was all just a ruse. Yeah. Like, uh, like to although why they would want to this, let's fuck with that mid card stable. <laughs> I'm bored. Why? <laughs> I think I heard Robert on a po- on, a- on on Austin's pod. He said that he thought Ricky going singles and doing that heel run was an awful idea. He did not think it was a good idea for him to do it. And I agree with him because this. I mean, just wait. I'm wait. I. I don't even know if it's already happened in TV yet, but Thomas Rich is about to come on the scene in the York Foundation, so we're about to get another awesome member. So it's like, yes, what a quality stable we've got going here. The Amway, so bad. the Amway is working, <laughs> right? And it's when this match. I, I had a note later on in my notes that was like, where does the this giant pile of popcorn come? That's all over the entry ramp. And just as normal, I've got the show going while we're in the background. I just forgot to start it when we started. It's right after the end of this match. Someone just starts lobbing popcorn. First, it's individual pieces at Ricky Morton. And then as he walks away, they just throw their whole bucket. I just see it and it's because it's called on the slow-mo. So it looks really cool. <laughs> um, if this match just had like a few more layers to it than just, like, let's just rip out Robert Gibson's knee and beat him with it. I'd give it more than a four, but that's all I can give it. A four? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We got Bischoff with the Young Pistols and Dustin Rhodes. This. Oh, uh, God. Tracy says they are coming for a fight. Steve recaps what an elimination match is, and Dustin Rhodes does an impression of his dad. I know. Yeah, (laughs) don't. It's so bad. Don't do that. It's one thing if he Listen does here, the elbow. Baby. It's one thing to do that elbow, but to do that, that's really bad. That's really yeah, bad. Yeah, he was substituting words for other words. Like, instead of saying baby or daddy, he would throw some other weird, like, southern thing to say in there. Um, he said patty. What, what did he say? Patty. Patty? Like, P-D-Y. That's what he finishes with. I don't know if he's, he's like, he's the going, I'm going to say punk. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's, like, going to say punk, but da- his daddy. Punk daddy! Patty, it's just like how it went. So I, I don't know. It was pretty bad. Oh, like and all I kept thinking of was what five years? He's gold dust. Five years, like because I mean, if I would have seen this as an adult, you know, back in '91, I'd be like, that guy sucks. He's never going to do anything. Like he's never going to be anybody. And then he goes and does gold dust, and it's just like the promos are incredible. The character's great, but you know, it came from this. Jesus, man, he really advanced himself, and he's still around. He still wrestles. Um, they try to build him back up by saying he, he's just been really focused this entire week. It's like, <laughs> all right, like he's got an exam. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, I've, been, I've been working on my impression of my dad. I've been working on it. I've been working on uh, it. I'm working on it. Um, if I didn't have any more reason to hate the Freebirds, now they've stolen the Z-Man's cam. So oh, yeah. There we go for their entrance. But Charlie, it's your match here. The six-man slash U.S. Oh, tag man. team champions. The the fabulous Freebirds and Bad Street and Big Daddy Dink Dumbass 
are taking on <laughs> the Young Pistols and Dustin Rhodes in a six-man elimination tag match. Whoa. There's this thing that Tracy Smothers and Steve Dickhead do. Uh, what's his name? Rogers? Is, is it? What's it's Steve Rogers? What's his name? <laughs> Steve Rogers. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, I forget. It's an Tracy? Uh, Tracy Jesus. Smothers? Tracy Smothers. And, what did I say? I did not say Steve Tracy Rogers. <laughs> Steve, oh, I know I said Steve Rogers. Fuck them. They're interchangeable. <laughs> because right, they, they do this thing that really just, it's such a basic uh, wrestling thing to do like when they look fired up they clap their hands and like make a fist like with both like yeah and and it, th that's all they do like like that's more memorable to me than anything else that they do except for their ridiculous goddamn attire i hate this fucking team like I, like it's really like a competition because like michael pays is the one who is typically the most annoying on the freebird side but jimmy jam was about to get jimmy jam the fuck out of my television because he kept, what did he kept? I'm sorry. He keeps saying, I'm he sorry. The sorry. What is yeah, this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, what the fuck? Like, he was, he was, the first time he did it, I was like, okay, he's just taunting us because, like, he's, like, Michael's beating up, um, I don't know, one of the pistol dickheads. And, and then he just decided to do it again, like, two minutes later for no reason. And this is the first time I've ever heard this guy talk. And I'm hoping it's the last. Because... This was just awful. And I want to talk about Bad Street here for a second. The the wrestler, uh, Brad Armstrong. I don't understand this ring attire he has on. Like, he, he looks like he's from a, com a, a, com like a comic book. Like, and he's, and he's hanging out with the Freebirds. And, like, and I don't understand the design of it. Like, it looks like they're, they're just with a Viano. A really thin one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't understand what the connection is here. Like, what, like I, I and, and that's another thing, too. WCW has too many fucking masked wrestlers that aren't, like, Lucha Libre. There's too many wrestlers with masks. Like, fuck. And it, 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 there's wrestlers that have masks that don't even wear the mask for the match. Like, like odds. Just, I don't need this anymore. You know, just, mm. Anyway, so there's a Freebird pose down, which was when I was really, like, on edge. And then Tony Schiavone, like, spoke for me. He goes, why doesn't Tracy just clobber them? Because they all came in the ring. They all turned their back to him and started doing the posing. And Tracy just stood there like, I'm going to let this one right out. <laughs> like, it just, it, it was so dumb. And then, and what, um, Steve Armstrong and Dustin like sat on the, on their side of the, of the turnbuckle and, or uh, their corner of the ring. And they didn't do anything either. And the ref clearly wasn't concerned about getting all the free birds out of the ring. It's just, it's so fucking bad, which is like, I'm glad you brought up that Austin 316 promo because, like, man, the first time I ever came across Michael Hayes was in WWF as Doc Hendricks. I never knew who Michael Hayes was until years later. And then I see him, like, you know, in those Freebird promos, like, back in the 2000s. And I'm like, oh, man, like, this guy, either he really was something or he really thinks he was something. Because Doc Hendricks, I mean, he just gains weight and just, he's just fat as fuck and just very uncharismatic. And then there's Michael Hayes, who's like, a pretty charismatic dude, but he basically has one choice and he always goes with it. And it's just, he's just not my type of, of wrestler. Uh, there's a DDD, a DDT chant uh, for the free birds, which is really weird because they're the heels. And yet the fans are like, yeah, well, fuck it, man. We just want to see the DDT. And just, all right. Um, what, what was this? I have this quote written down. All I did was, all I did was duck. 
Yes, it's the elimination. Right, so so the the first elimination is Steve Armstrong gets eliminated through a double DDT, and then Michael Hayes, like um, I think Steve, like goes to like hit him, and he Michael Hayes tosses him over the top rope, and he gets eliminated. Oh, that's it, and it makes no that's, sense. Yes, that's why I wrote it down because this happened. Because I mentioned this, I had a problem with this. This happened during the Tokyo uh, match with Ric Flair and. I'm forgetting his name, uh, but yeah, um, what Fujinami is that it? Yes, yes. Fujinami backdropped Ric yeah. Flair over the top rope, and Jim Ross lost his goddamn mind. He's like, like you know, he was rooting against Flair the whole match, and then all of a sudden he was for him because he got backdropped over the top rope, and nobody called a DQ for that. Nobody, and, and it was like, yeah, I wouldn't have called a DQ for it either. What was he supposed to do? Just stand there and take it? You know, he didn't have enough time to get out of the way. Just fucking duck. So that's why I wrote it down, because it just jogged my memory of that incident. And I really, like, yes, wrestling is scripted. I really don't think that should be a disqualification. That just doesn't... He he used his own momentum against them. It's like, do you remember that old, like, when table matches used to be a thing? You couldn't win the match if the other guy accidentally put himself through the table. Like, if Jeff Hardy tried to do a swanton bomb to Bubba Ray, and and Bubba got off the table and Jeff went through it, that didn't count, and then sometime in the early, like in the mid to late two thousands, it, it counts all, all of a sudden. Right, the Big Show is the one I always remember. The Big Show is my. Oh, you talking with Cody Rhodes? Yes. Um, all the biggest <laughs> stupid dumbass fucking finish to a match, and, and Big Show like almost started crying. Wasn't that for the Intercontinental Title? Yes, it was. It was Extreme Rules. It was Extreme Rules. It was coming off of WrestleMania twenty eight. And that might be the last memory I have of Big Show, like the, <laughs> the, the really sticks out because like we're talking about a veteran, like a guy who's been a wrestling for at that point, I'm mean, almost 20 years, 20 years. And whoops, <laughs> just puts his foot right through the table. They ring the bell and it's like, what? That doesn't count. Like, that's so stupid. And it's like I said, it's the same thing here. Um I, I did really like Dustin Rhodes' bulldog and simultaneous dropkick, which kind of made up for how many fucking bionic elbows that he did uh, in this match. Like, I, I, I can't imagine, like, the son of a famous wrestler ever going, you know what's really going to get me over? If I sound exactly like my dad in promos and I do his moveset. I bet that gets me over, like, a fucking bolt of lightning. Like, I just can't imagine that, that thought process for these sons of wrestlers. But he tried it. And it really didn't work. This is, and the last thing I write, this is when I really like took home JR's smiling problem. It's just weird. It's a creepy fucking smile. And, and what makes it even weirder is that Tony doesn't smile. <laughs> just, yeah, oh God. So um, I gave this a four. Jason, what'd you think? Well, one hour and eight minutes into the show, Jim Ross and Tony let us know that. The venue was starting to fill up, and people are coming in. Whoa, what a line. Like, They're still Whoa. coming in. <laughs> like, uh, Where have they been? <laughs> yeah. Did they get hit with the special start time of 7 o'clock, too, and it rocked their world? <laughs> what? I was, thought it was going to be the pre-show match. It's already on. It was, uh, a, tr- it was a transcontinental arm drag. <laughs> <laughs> Both teams' shtick is starting to get old. Sorry, this is, it's been old, and and I just can can 
some of these guys move on from someone else, please. Um, where you're talking about Tony really just drives home. All wrestlers are stupid. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> like they're so mad like i get you know i understand like some shit happened and and it took a lot to put this show together really great but i mean does tony have to be fucking grudged like commentating everybody for doing every little thing um it's so bad the the i'm sorry thing um jim ross says something i I think this is right after the whole jim baker thing where about getting caught with the money or getting caught with the prostitute so that he was like on his 700 club or whatever it was, like crying and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over and over again. So, you know, cause wrestling people really love religious good pull, shows. Jason. That's sure. actually, it's a really good pull. That's really good. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was Jim Ross. I just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I went and looked at it. Um, because I'm like you, you know, like, Hey, you're the bad guys. You're cheating. You're winning, saying you're sorry with this, you know, just not even just, oh, I'm sorry. Great, okay? Saying it 60 times, now you owe me an apology. Because that's, <laughs> you're wasting my time. Um, what, Tracy Smothers taps out three times to Michael Hayes' sleeper. I don't understand, what's the difference between a tap out and not? When you're smack, when you're slapping your own arm, <laughs> slapping something, I'm breath. You tapping out to me. He taps out three times. Gordy gets in. He taps out to Gordy's again. Uh, and then he, then he gets that double DDT. And why are people calling for a DDT? Didn't we just see one last match when Robert Gibson DDT'd Richard Morton right. and it didn't end the match? I mean, it's here we go. It, it's like, uh, I mean, I guess it's because no one does it better than the Freebirds. I, I don't know. Um, the getting disqualified for the top rope thing, Michael Hayes, all I did was duck. Um, also, we just, in the match with Oz and Ron Simmons, we had a ref watch somebody else clothesline someone right over the top rope. That match didn't end. Well, what What's the definition? Like, where Good does the line, like, what happens here? I mean, I know, you know, logic has no place in wrestling, but whatever. Um, just don't treat me like I'm stupid. Uh, but then we get uh, old Dustin Cena wins, so... It's just, I like when when this was happening, when you heard it was a, an elimination match. Did either one of you go? Well, of course, Dustin's going to be the last one standing yes. and win. Uh, not just uh, that, yes, Jason. He's going to overcome a handicap. Like he's going to be yeah. against like multiple dudes and win it. Like he's going to. It'll be something ridiculous, and it was. Yeah, because it was technically, well, three on one if you count Big Daddy Dick shit, um, just out there. But it's like uh, no. Um, this was, this was terrible. A three. Um, so the eliminations are Steve Armstrong gets the double DDT. Hayes gets, uh, eliminated via DQ because of the over the top rope. Um, Tracy Smothers also gets a double DDT. And Jimmy Garvin just gets a lariat and is eliminated. And then that's what leaves us leads us to the bulldog finish with Dustin getting it over Bad Street, which I was like, all right, well at least they're leaving it with these two guys who can go who can have a pretty good match. I'm pretty uh, that that was the only like thing that I um um T- Tony Tony has a problem with charismatic and, and this happens. This happens with what Oof. we're doing right here. Like there's sometimes any one of us 
try to pronounce a word. It, it doesn't happen. We try again. And if it doesn't work, we just kind of move on. And we try to, like, you know, like, you know, just keep the conversation going. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, couldn't, that word didn't happen. It's okay. Poor Tony. Not, he, he, he finally just falls on the sword and says, I can't pronounce it. I'm like, oh, no. Bless you. No, <laughs> yeah, it was great because, like, I remember, like, the way he pronounced it. I was like, well, that sounds like uh, an alternate way to pronounce it that no one does. Almost like Caribbean and Caribbean. Yeah, you know, like, well, okay, yeah, but, I get but, you. But the difference is people say that. Like, like <laughs> he, he pronounced, like, oh, I, think, I think he pronounced one of the vowels wrong. Like, that was really all he did. And it was like, well, uh, I'll let that slide. Like, big deal. Like, I did like that he said, I can't pronounce it. I was like, that's great. (laughs) 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 It really is. I'm sorry, Jan. (laughs) uh, We we can't see it. JR's taunting him with some of the Amway Pop-Tarts. Like, you know you want to sign up, Anthony. You know it. (laughs) With that creepy cult pedophile (laughs) smile that you're on. Mm, Jimmy Jam Ross. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> James Ross. <laughs> Still gotta have the James in there. <laughs> I know. Um, I there are P like uh, this. This kind of made me chuckle because I'm like there are PG fans that yelled "kick his butt." Awesome. That's that's Aww. bless their hearts. Yeah. Um, I don't understand the Freebirds tights. If you looked at, at what they had on their ass. Because I did, because I'm fascinated. Uh, <laughs> Garvin has Freebird, makes sense. Hayes has Fantasia, and I'm like, wait. I thought it said Phantasm, which I was like, the film series? Yeah, the tall man. The, the tall, tall man? man? Remember the Freebird. Was it Phantasm? <laughs> I couldn't make it yeah, out, because I was like, Fantasia. Fantasia. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, that was the name of Bad Street before you renamed him. What's right. going on here? Like, I mean, this shouldn't be a pressing question of mine, but, you know, I hate these cocksuckers. So, I mean, like, it fucking happens. But the, the, um, um, I hated that pose down because I was like, you guys are heels. What are you doing? What are you, like, to me, that's like, that's grandstanding. It wasn't even a distraction, like, like to, to get, like, like for like Big Daddy Dink to do something to the other to the other uh, wrestlers to the other team, like it, it didn't serve any purpose, you know. Like they weren't trying to pull one over; they just felt like posing. The the biggest thing like coming off of this match is like so it, it feels like this is a hundred percent designed to just get Dustin more over. The the problem is like we've seen the pistols and the Freebirds kind of in a in a feud. So who benefits like in terms of those tag teams from? This match, nobody does. Like, because they, in the end, the only two guys left standing are, are neither the Freebirds, and I'm not counting bat. I'm the the core Freebirds, Hayes or Garvin, right. or the Pistols. So it's like, what are, what's going on? Like, what what's the point of this? And oh, never mind. I'm sorry, I forgot. Virgil. Yeah, why was wasn't it. match for the belt? Right. Like, put that. I did have that note. Thank you. Like, why aren't the belts on the line here? Because I'd like to see those defended at some point, but maybe that's just strictly a, maybe they're the six man tag team television champions or something. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Dusty impersonating his father, I forgot to mention this. What did you think of uh, the way that he impersonated Michael Hayes' uh, weird little strut? Um, because it wasn't even like an impersonation. I thought it was like this is how Dusty would do it. Like like just kind of just the way he moved. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I'm. I'm. 
I'm excited for when we can finally get beyond like him trying to be his dad and he kind of settles into him being himself because it feels like it's just it's like he has to do even an impersonation I'm going to impersonate the way my dad would impersonate it what why don't yeah that's what it looked to me yeah it's like I've never seen him move like that ever yeah so I um I still ended up giving this a four because uh, I, I felt like the wrestling, for the most part, was pretty good. Um, I can't believe I gave a Freebirds match a four, but nevertheless, that's where we're at with it. Um, JR says we have a match next with some complex personalities. It's the Yellow Dog taking on... <laughs> I was like, what match is that? Oh. <laughs> taking on Johnny B. Bad. Okay, so the Yellow Dog, first off, is billed from the Kennel Club. (laughs) (laughs) And he's uh, accompanying, well, he's bringing to the ring his, he's bringing man's best friend. (laughs) Who is a Yellow Dog. (laughs) Who just disappeared. I was legitimately hoping Johnny B. Bad was going to fight the dog. <laughs> he just gives that dog a left hook. <laughs> Mero would probably have a better chance against Lesnar than he would that dog. <laughs> that dog would. <laughs> He's my dog. I'll put him down. <laughs> After dog goes the... off the ropes and Teddy Long hits him in the back. <laughs> Cheat to beat the dog. <laughs> He's pulling the tights on the dog to try and get some leverage. Pull the tights on the dog, and they come to find out it's a female dog. So just, I, I beat you, bitch. Oh, no. But of course, I mean, one of the right off the bat, you're like, hmm, the yellow dog is coming out to fly in Brian's music. And then immediately JR talks about the speculation that the dog is in fact flying Brian. And Tony says if that's the case, he can't apply for reinstatement. And a, this match is apparently a mask versus bounty match, I believe. Technically. It was? Is, yeah. Um, the yellow dog is wrestling like What's with that? his mask on the line. And I, I, I'm not quite We just sh- met this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> But like, how long been going on? Like, the first match we see with him. All right, that's that mask is going up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm a, I'm intrigued by this whole. You. I'm intrigued by this. <laughs> All right, so you lost the match. You how have long to. Been around? Yeah, right. That's. It, I guess not long after Flying Brian lost the loser leaves town match. Like he did the smartest thing ever. He's like, well, shit, man. I'll just do. I'm, I'm just gonna go grab this from the hardware store. I'll put on a mask and you know we're good to go. And then, uh, I, I guess like. There's this. I, I don't. I. I guess in wrestling, the whole like Macho Man was one of my favorites. Was like your career is over. No, it's not. Okay, you're wrestling for the title. <laughs> not only are you rehired, you're promoted. <laughs> I mean, I. It. Okay. I mean, at least when remember when uh, I, remember when it was the Austin McMahon the end of an era match or whatever where. You know, it's he went first blood. He, so he, he he so McMahon has to go away, and then 
You know, when he's oh. making the face turn and Austin's like, hey, you dumb bastard. I'm the only one. I, I can bring you back. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Why are we doing this? But um, I guess apparently Fly Brian can apply for reinstatement after losing a loser leaves town match, but that wasn't good enough. He needed a wrestle now. So that's why he's the yellow dog. JR. So this is Brian Pillman? It is Brian Pillman. It is. Uh, it, this is very much pre Blue Blazer. Like the way they were doing all that's Owen Hart. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh, he's it's dead. Time. Um, and- <laughs> I knew you were going to end it like that. Oh, man. Oh, well, we'll never know. <laughs> oh, fuck. If, if there was a kayfabe news, it would have been <laughs> wrestler dies after falling from the ceiling. Ambulance dry, EMS shocked to find out it's Owen Hart. God, it's dark. All right, so um, Jr. slams a fan who brought a, a Johnny B. Bad poster, and then he walks it back immediately. But he had yes. to, he had to call him out, which was that's a what a sweetheart. Um, I I relish these comments that commentators make about what they're doing before shows start. Uh, Jr. says he's had plenty of thought provoking conversations with Bad. Uh, but not those kind of conversations. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's we. Uh, all right, then we get. I mean, we'll just say it. Ha- I mean, it's 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 not a huge deal, but it happens. There's a technical difficulties network graphic that appears. Dude, it's great. <laughs> it's great. And uh, I love that they're about it. Is that yeah. they even bothered to do it? Uh, and they blame WCW. The company's been dead forever, and they go, "This is an original, <laughs> original technical difficulties." Yeah, it was like this is based on the best uh, uh, shape of the source material or something. Just so, so, fuck you, WCW. <laughs> it's basically what it said. Um, I I was really like, "Oh, is this going to get cut short?" No, nope, it's like ten seconds. You know, just ten seconds of no visual. We just get to hear what's going on, and then. We hear that Bischoff is is getting into position <laughs> to interview Missy Hyatt about her match later. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim Ross, I'm laughing because this this is just so. I just can't wait till they move on from this. But Jr. says about the entrance theme is similar, and the Yellow Dog is apparently a very big Flying Brian fan. They just keep coming back to this the whole time and. As you're watching it, you notice that Yellow Dog has a few Flying Brian spots in his repertoire. And that's why they write it off that he's a big fan, apparently. I'm just a big Finkel fan. Um, he uh, he ends the match with a crossbody on Johnny B. Bad. But Teddy Long, way out of position, takes like 84 years to get in the ring. And he tries to just go rip the dog's mask off. Like, ah, fuck it. And it's a DQ. So the yellow dog wins by DQ. <laughs> Afterwards, Johnny B. Bad uh, hits the dog with his much-talked-about left punch, which doesn't seem that awesome. And uh, Pillman, str- uh, P- Pillman ends up getting back in the ring and is able to, to you know, kind of have his celebration afterwards with it. But the difficult thing with this is that 
Brian Pillman kind of struggles to wrestle a different kind of match. I don't know if he's trying to. Like that's the part that's hard to figure out. Is he trying to wrestle different as the yellow dog? Because the commentators don't do that any favors by saying, huh, he does a few of the same moves too. What's going on here? But it's a lot like that Black Scorpion thing where it's like he's trying to do something else and it's not quite working. This match just doesn't really take off. I gave it a three. Jason, what'd you think of it? Uh, Teddy Long is such a uh, much better manager for Johnny B. Bad than he ever was for Doom. I mean, with Doom, he just stood out there and like talked some shit. Maybe it's distractions, throw stuff in. He played so well with with Johnny B. Bad. Um, at the, some point, he gets thrown out of the ring and falls into the popcorn that I mentioned earlier. Teddy Long runs over there and pulls I'm sure he, he does the wipe down a lot but pulls it brushes all the popcorn off his bag wipes him down they give each other a hug they come back and it, like that kind of little bit of character work I really like that um, it, you know Tony and, and Jim Ross have a field day when they these two men hug each other big fucking deal uh, get comfortable with yourself guys I still want to know where the fucking dog went I mean like he just comes out He's like is he hiding under the ring so he could do a big surprise entry <laughs> it's in the main event later. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Um, but it's just, this match suffers from, um, they're, they're going, ha, 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 guys, this is Brian Pillman. I think if this guy would not have come out to Brian Pillman's music, you wouldn't know it's Pillman. It's because it's just some other like, kind of rip dude. Um, but just playing right off the bat, it kind of kills the whole fun. I don't remember them trying to like purposefully kill it this soon. Um, when it's going through, but uh, it's I didn't really get a lot out of it other than the character work. Um, the match I give a three. Jim Ross wrestling with a sexuality, I give a six. Very nice, <laughs> very nice. Uh, Jason, uh, Charlie, what'd you think of it? Uh, well, we mentioned how um, Jr. is like you know all, all basically all the. Well, that could be Flying Brian. Maybe that's Flying Brian. He does a couple of things of, a, of the same moves. But what we haven't mentioned is the point in the match where JR just flat out calls him fly, uh, Brian Pillman or Flying Brian. He says it. He goes, Flying Brian with a drop kick or whatever, and he never corrects himself. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I guess the mystery's over. Yeah. Well, shit. Uh, <laughs> well, well, very lewd. Oh, well. Um, Boomer sooner. <laughs> Boomer sooner. Boom. Um, I could have sworn that as a counter to some move that Mero was doing, that Flying Brian gave him a Stone Cold Stunner. Like they called it a jawbreaker, but his his chin was clearly on his shoulder. I thought that was really cool. It's when um, he was trying to take the mask off. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Which. Yeah, like if he were to lose the match, he has to take the mask off, right? Yes. Hell, I don't know. Never clear. Did, yeah, I, I wasn't clear on that. So if you were to remove his mask before you beat him, do you get disqualified? Well, he did. Ah, there we go. <laughs> That's but, the, but he wasn't disqualified for the mask thing. Like, Yeah, Teddy grabs. Anyway. T Teddy does. Uh, no, Teddy Teddy jumps in the ring, jumps on Flying or Flying Brian, sorry. I JR'd it. He jumps on the yellow dog. Oh, he did it. And he grabs the mask. He's just going for the mask. 
It's like, wow, that's a way to break up a pen. Just fuck it. Go for the mask. Take it. And that's when the ref rings the bell. Well, I uh, I gave this match a three. Yeah, um, I remember this yellow dog thing. Um, I remember it was not like very. It's just sort of like, well, why did we do this in the first place? Like, what's the what's the end game here? What are we setting up for Brian Pillman that we need to have him as the yellow dog? Are all his paychecks made out to the yellow dog? He can't cash them. I know, I know. That's like. What I kept, what I kept um, thinking about was like, this is one of your hottest like like wrestlers right now. Like, he every every single show, like it's pretty much like if you the ranking of pops, like he's in the top three. It's either Sting, Steiners, or or him. Maybe Luger sometimes pops in there too. I should say, but Pillman gets big pops. Like, why would you be killing that off right now? Like, what's I just? There's no point to it. But. We'll be through it soon enough. It's not the end of the world. I should, I shouldn't get all bent out of shape about that. But now uh, we arrived at. Well, we get to this moment. Bischoff enters Missy's locker room for an interview. Her assistant brings her a bouquet and reads a card from Jason Hervey that wishes her luck. Bischoff can't find her, but gets excited that he hears her in the shower. As he as he enters, he gets yelled at by Missy and gets crap thrown at him. I got extremely thrown off here. I'm not. I, I, I'm not sure if you guys did, but I'm sure you'll say it in a second here. When I saw the brunette, I was like, "Who the hell is that?" Because <laughs> that doesn't yeah. look like Missy Hyatt. <laughs> so uh, I don't like her as brunette. No, Mm-mm. I don't not, think it. I don't think not dog. Not <laughs> not <laughs> nah, nah, yellow dog. Ain't doing it. <laughs> not nah, yellow dog. That's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to. Um, our lumberjack so, match. It's kind of a oh, what's that? Missy, the Missy Hyatt would you know? All right, well, wait. Before we go, this 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 super creepy section here. Here's what I want to know: What's going on? When <laughs> Bischoff rolls his eyes with enthusiasm, he did about getting to walk into the shower. I have a question: Why does the doorway into the shower have a lock on the outside? Number one. It's like one of those latches that you could put. You're trapped in the shower. And then also, Missy Hyatt's getting ready to take a shower, but she grabs the towel from off camera and puts the towel on to bathe. I don't know what's going on there. Um, And the reason why I'm not trying to analyze is because that shit's super creepy, especially when you get back to Jim Ross and Tony. Oh, how's he get? He's new. He gets all the good assignments. I hope it took it. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. It's just like, it's really bad. And Missy. Uh, Missy did this exact same thing to the guy's locker room twice, and and then and then it, it happens to her, and she completely flips. Which I mean, it's different because it's girls, but still, I was like, "You did this with Stan Hansen twice." Wouldn't it be great if Stan Hansen was in there? I, I mean, wish. nothing <laughs> creepy, dude. Dude, I was expecting that. I was expecting that. I was like, "Oh man, they're gonna pull. They're gonna trick me again. It's gonna be cool." But no, it's just uh, brunette Missy Hyatt. Yeah, I really was just like, wow, no, like it. I thought it was a mis- I thought it was going to be a mistaken identity. Like, oh, it's not Missy. It's somebody else, and Bischoff's a big pervert, you know. And that that's that's the end of it. Um, but I, I and the other thing I was wondering, I was like, if that's Missy Hyatt, well, she better get that dye job going because uh, we don't have much time left, and that takes a little bit of time <laughs> to settle in. That's why it's an event. 
<laughs> That's what it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta let that die job settle. <clears throat> so now we got this lumberjack match. Kind of. <laughs> exactly. We've got black blood accompanied. <laughs> I, 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 maybe with Kevin Sullivan. Maybe not. He's not <laughs> taking on Big Josh, who's accompanied by like uh, more women. <laughs> Why Big Josh has to be accompanied by a hoe train himself? I don't know. <laughs> I like we're just calling it a hoe. Train. That's what it because it it looks exactly <laughs> the same. Exact, That's what it is. It's it, this is exactly what they did for the Godfather. So I mean, we might as well call it what it is. Like they're doing the hoe train. It's <laughs> good. It's pretty awful but i it's my note i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry all right jason this one's yours i believe sir okay i'm very excited to be able to have a lumberjack match featuring a lumberjack who carries an axe with no blade fighting a dude with a giant axe this is amazing, Jason. Um, it's can, like someone can, can we start off first, though, just real quick? Like, can, can let's talk about where these guys are from, how, where they're built from. <laughs> oh, I was built. I was building to that <clears throat> because Josh is from the Pacific Northwest, and Black Blood, a giant motherfucker in an executioner's hood <laughs> with a giant axe, is from a little town in. France. Dude, I broke up. I had to stop. I was laughing so hard at this. Because I've, I mean, we've heard of some ridiculous places where people are billed from, but we're just going to really punt on this one. He's just from a small town in France, folks. This is a new one on me. <laughs> yeah. It's. And, and then and then I was like, okay, let's let that go. And I think uh, Giovanni repeated it. Yep. <laughs> Little town in France, eh? <laughs> there is. Being, being all snarky, Tony Giovanni. Um, so just the lumberjacks that they have for this match, what the fuck? I mean, we've got the, uh, the two Brian Johnsons, uh, this other guy who I can't recognize. I can't remember who he is, but I think he was the first guy that, uh, big Josh and Richard Morton again, not in a suit. But his York Foundation shirt is super cool. Did you guys see it? No, I didn't. I don't know. No, I didn't. I missed that. I don't know. I don't know if they were selling it. It's a white T-shirt, and it's like you know, super nineties colored. It's York Foundation, and when I saw it, it looked like it was like Microsoft pixel art paint of him, Terrence, and and Alexander York. Like, so that's kind of cool with the whole computer. I like. It's neat. It's like there's this is these great things, but no one does anything. And then on the face side, you get Dustin Rose, PM News, Bobby Eaton, and the junkyard dog. Where the fuck has he been? Did the dog turn into this that was that the yellow dog? Just morphed into KYD like Snoop Dogg in that video. It's just crazy. Um there's just yeah. Also, this is the first lumberjack match I think I've ever seen where the lumberjacks alternate sides of the ring. You know, you generally have like all oh, the heels or have like these two sides, and the faces have these two sides, and for some reason the face always get thrown off to the heels or whatnot. No, these guys just come on and do what they want to do and have this brawl while Big Josh and uh, what is his name? Black Blood. That, that's just I don't know. Um, I'm so confused with lots of this match um, because 
it's something I've never understood about, about any lumberjack match is why do the refs give a fuck about the lumberjacks fighting themselves outside? They're not in the match. It shouldn't matter to the ref. I can't stand when they get uh, they get distracted by that. But you know, um, we have a point where during this whole melee thing, Black Blood just says "fuck." It. He's going to go kill Big Jock with his giant axe, but he couldn't see Dustin Cena, who comes in and saves him. Of course, uh, this thing gets a two. Charlie, what'd you think of it? Huh. Um, I really don't think too many wrestlers wanted to lumberjack this thing because, like, when I see lumberjack matches, I'm used to seeing the ring completely surrounded. But um, how many guys are out there? Like six, eight, eight. eight. Yeah, it's it's not a lot, and it it just looks weird. It looks like they just have a huge entourage. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, yeah, and junkyard dog. Like that was just like. Yeah, Junkyard Dog was really just like that threw me off because I was like, "You still work here?" <laughs> you know, well, still there. Years, like, when's the last time we saw him though? Was it that six-man tag? I think so. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Damn, but still, it was like, "Wow, you got paid to come here and and be and one of the lumberjacks." I was like, "Dude, man, th- this guy was one of the biggest stars outside of the WWF in the '80s, and hell, he was a huge star in the WWF in the '80s." And and here he is, just kind of just this is all we got for you. Uh, what would his name be if he joined the New York Junkyard Douglas? <laughs> well, his real name was like what Sylvester Redder. Yeah. Like, uh, so, <laughs> so I mean, it's like, man, yeah. I, I wonder. Yeah, I was wondering, like, change the dog, or would you change it to the junkyard part of it? I do like I I like what you did. I'm glad I brought it up. Um, so it's uh, I love that we haven't talked about black but black blood just literally attempted murder. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, he fuck it, I'm gonna behead this guy. Yeah, yeah, the hell with it, you know. <laughs> I, just let's see, let's see how this goes. Like, what would happen if he cut his fucking head off? Like, like would he still go for a cover? Like, it just. <laughs> It's a little weird, and that mask, I kept waiting for it to kind of fall off, because it, it kind of looks like, uh, well, it doesn't look like Jason Voorhees' mask, but it looks like Jason's, like, like the kind of, like a burlap sack kind of thing from from part two, you know, where we, before he had the hockey mask. It just looks like it's not secure, you know, and the executioner's best example. You know, I had an executioner action figure, like, like that's what that made me think of. I don't know why I fucking had that, but wow. that's what it made me think of, is... Yeah, I, I, he, a lot of tombstones. A lot of tombstones. <laughs> is he is is Black Blood anybody we know? Like, is that somebody else that become you know that that moves on to become someone else? I'm hoping it's nails. Mm. Like that would make sense. Oh yeah, a murder thing. <laughs> he violated me. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Josh, I don't understand why this is uh, still a thing. Um, he's like, he, he brings out that axe handle. They talk about how he actually was a lumberjack at one point. I'm like, why? Because he wears flannel. Like, I, I, I know he's from the North Woods, but I mean that, that they've never really talked about like what he used to do before wrestling. Which this is like one of those things about wrestling that I just love. And I think I, I first thought of it with when it was the Undertaker back when I was a kid. Like, you know, you look at these gimmicks like Big Josh or specifically Black Blood. And you're like, what are they wrestling? their part time. You know. 
slow day of execution is yeah yeah like that it's just like it's really weird like like he's he's like this he's from a little town in france and he carries an axe and he wears a mask and he's really creepy he's got a weird name oh he wrestles what what (laughs) it's it's one of those stupid wrestling things um this was this was quite awful exquisitely awful in fact i gave this a two uh black blood is billy jack haynes Soon after the Great American Bash, he was fired in July 1991 due to a pay dispute. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> at, the t- at the time he was fired, he suffered a severe knee injury. After a year and a half of rehabbing, he went back to Portland where he was a heel, this time and feuded with top babyface Steve Dahl. He showed up next in the United States Wrestling Association in 95 and retired in early 96. I'm going to fast forward here real quick to February of this year. Billy Jack Haynes directly implicated Uh-oh. Bill and Hillary Clinton for authorizing the murder of two boys in the Murder on the Tracks incident on August 23, 1987, outside of Bryant, Arkansas. Haynes claims that he was a witness and an unwilling participant in the disposal of two bodies immediately after the murders of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. The boys happened upon a drug drop and were subsequently murdered, according to Haynes with the explicit direction and approval of Bill and Hillary Clinton via telephone. <laughs> Haynes, a newly converted and repentant uh, Christian, claims that he was at the location filming on behalf of Bill Clinton and acting as an enforcer if the need arose. <laughs> so, what so, the fuck? Wait, wait. That is a gimmick. <laughs> Dude. Like, You're really? a cleaner? That took a turn. <laughs> He's a cleaner. Yeah, he's a cleaner. <laughs> so it's a good thing that that didn't affect him too much, that years later, after disposing of two young boys' body, he could join Wait a achieve his lifelong dream of being a pro wrestler. Wait a something. What the hell happened in between these, these years? You know, like, like, this didn't just happen. <laughs> There's a backstory here. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I when I caught that, I was like, oh, let me fast forward to what's going on. Like, you know, if he's dead. And, uh, whoa. Oh. <laughs> Uh, no, we got this instead. Oh. <laughs> it looks like a little bit of the well, usual. Like I see a lawsuit against WWF. You know, uh, you know th- that he's doing the kind of that usual thing. Um, March in March 2013, he was hospitalized because he had an aneurysm and liver and kidney issues. So you know he's operating with a full deck. Um, I gave this match a three. Um, the, the biggest problem with Lumberjack matches outside of Dean Ambrose and uh, Seth Rollins, the Lumberjacks are going to fight, but that needs to happen at the very end. If you do it in the middle, it you take away from the competitors because then the referee has to do his dumbass thing of, hey, my, oh, oh, no, 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 man. got to stop that shit. No, that, that that's, a, <laughs> that's the problem. But, um, Lumberjack matches are usually quite bad. Yeah, like that I, that I, Rollins I, I, Ambrose I one is the only one that sticks much. out that's really good. Where they just like took it on they took it on the road. The formula, yeah, they were like, let's take this on the road. Wasn't the um, wasn't the Mister Perfect Ric Flair Monday Night Raw match a Lumberjack match? Uh, remember that it was uh, Ric Flair's final match in WWF for like until he came back in O two. Right. I think that was a lumberjack match. I know it was a loser leaves town match. Yeah, it was definitely loser leaves town. I just can't remember. I seem to remember that being a lumberjack match, um, but I, I could be wrong on that. Anyway, that's a classic. I love that match. 
JR and Tony really talk up Elegante being a more focused wrestler tonight. And then they say they say Bischoff's going to have a word with the one-man gang, but then the one-man gang's making his entrance. So I was like, oh, and then, sure enough, we're going to do this on the this ramp. We're going we're gonna to do this on the ramp here, folks. Uh, <laughs> Hustle, JR. The, this this is awesome. The great Kizzard Sullivan tells a weird story about banshees, a death wagon, a river of fear, a plateau, a three-eyed woman, and the one-man gang. And then that sets up our match, folks. We have the Battle of the Giants. <laughs> Eligante, shaved head, and accompanied by four midgets uh, taking up... <laughs> Taking on the one-man gang, so Charlie, I'm so excited that you got this. I'm so excited. I have this. Yes, you do. Oh boy. Uh, well, he messed up. <laughs> I, I was supposed to have this, but good on me. Oh, but uh, thank God, because uh, this is um, this is this is a better thing to have. Oh, real quick, Jason, uh, what did you get that black blood match? Let's get that out of the way. A two. Thank you. Okay, so this one um. This is when I noticed that Eligante is always improving his wrestling style in his English. Because uh, it's, it's, like I said earlier, it's been mentioned over and over and over again. Um, the, the Bischoff shows up again. Okay, so Eligante's ring entrance. What the fuck is this? Like, what <laughs> Most is people this? don't like, like these oddities. <laughs> Most people would love to get yes, this bullshit. That's what it reminded me of. I'm like, this looks so familiar. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint and he comes out there with what were some of the words they used like like you know, I want to be careful here but you know it was like oh god be careful don't step on that um, literally and it was just oh, okay I, I don't understand it um, and I, I don't like how how much Eligante um, smiles like I hate how nice he appears you know like he's just like <laughs> I need the I mean? old Eligante back I yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Like it's the old Rocky Maivia thing. I hate like, Apollo Cruz. It's another one. I hate wrestlers that smile all the time and wave and all that shit. It's just it's just annoying. Um. Oh wait a minute. Oh god. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so one man gang goes to the top rope. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good. And it's like him and Eligante just have a staring contest once he gets to the top rope, and then. One man gang finally goes, Come on! <laughs> and Eligante's like, Oh, and he, and he lumbers over and just kind of body slams one man gang off the top rope. He yells, Come on, twice, you know, because it's like, Yeah, one man gang, we don't see him a lot, but that guy's a veteran. Like, he's, he's a wrestler and he has to deal with one man or with um, Eligante, the biggest wrestler who's also the weakest wrestler. Uh, he just, <laughs> everything he does in terms of a power move just looks like shit and this was another one it's this was like it looks like he body slams him off kind of it's really one man gang doing all the work uh to get off that top rope um the this this fucking spot uh this is another one of those things that uh they do too many times in wrestling and this might be the worst example of it uh when a heel gets powder to throw in the face's eyes and it's very obvious that he's going to get it thrown in, into his own eyes. Like, when you take powder, I mean, you just put it in one hand. He's holding it out like he's, like, like waiting to get, like, a, a handful of soup. Like, he's just, like, 
okay, there it is. Like, he's holding it in both hands. He turns around with both hands, like, right in front of his face. Like, man, I'd I kick your hands, too. And it's just so dumb. And he, he gets... I, I forget what move Eligante does after that to get him on the ground, but it's just like, just please just pin him. Um, it's, just, it's a murdering clothesline to the back of his head. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's it. Like, oh, and Eligante even smiles after that. Like, he's really satisfied with himself after he kicks the powder in his face. Like, he runs into the ropes to do that clubbing clothesline move, and he, he looks right at the camera just, and just smiles right at it. And just, I really hate him. Like, I really hate Eligante. I gave this a three. Jason, I want to back up here. You said I I did the Yellow Dog match. You did the Lumberjack match, so Charlie gets the one-man gang. How did I mess this up? Explain it to me. I thought uh, I thought Charlie started the Yellow Dog, but I, did. I don't know. I did. I did. Okay. I just want to make sure because I go through now and I specifically bold my matches so that I know, okay, Jason's after that and then Charlie's after that one. So that's why I was just wondering. Oh, okay. I was just making sure. I just just want to make sure because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to affect the rest of the show in terms of order and everything, but all right. Oh no, it's, it's cool. Uh, but no, I'm sorry here, but, uh, so I'll, I will go into this one. Uh, okay, the when you said earlier, they said that Elegante had a surprise for the one man gang, Calvin Sullivan, but we don't get a payoff. Are these little people the payoff? Well, they get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Sullivan throws that one dude who just lands on his face. <laughs> he got talking. Oh, yeah. He got talking. I was waiting for the. I was waiting for the King Kong Bundy incident. Yeah, just. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, no, but it's also, why are these, all right, how is a bunch of little people a surprise? And, oh, they keep, look at them, they all got their eyes painted like Kevin Sullivan and the one-man gang. You're the one-man gang also. You don't need to be playing crazy. I, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get that either. You're just a fucking tough, mean son of a bitch. Um, but, you know, <laughs> as much as Charlie hates Eligante, I love Eligante for the wrong reasons because his selling is so epic. At some point, the one man gang like kicks Eligante in the shin, and Eligante <laughs> kicks him in the shin. Eligante leans back across the top rope with both of his arms like in this weird position, like he just like his sciatica and his nerves just attack him all at once, and just goes ah like it's a shin kick, man. You ain't like you just took a fucking adamantium bullet to the spine um it's it's so bad it's just you know it, everything with him is in slow motion he's just he's cut it out it just i can't stand it um when he gets knocked onto his back elegante is laying there again with his arms in this stiff elbow bent position and his knees are up and he's waddling like a turtle on his back uh you most and your your English is getting better, and your wrestling? No, I don't think so. Um, Kevin Sullivan can't get Eligante to bring his head down far enough so that he can hit him from the outside for a, a managerial interference spot. Uh, it's just it's really bad. Um, you know they come at Eligante with the cocaine, but we know Eligante straight edge, so he says no, uh, kicks that cocaine right back at him, <laughs> and this match still goes on. <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit for that murder clothesline and then the heat comes back and they're just punching Eligante in the back and again he's 
I, it's, it's, it's all bad. It's all bad. Just stop trying to tell us that Elegante is great. Just have him be someone's heater or something. Stop putting him in singles matches. Uh, this is a two. I gave it a two as well. Uh, JR and Tony talk Sting and Koloff and how the match is shaping up. We go to a video of the feud, starting with Sting betraying himself. We see footage from a... Uh, we I've, I guess it's from a... I don't know what... I don't know what episode it is, or what show it is, but it's a TV taping where Sting was being introduced and just gets walloped by Koloff as he comes through the curtain. It's so good. It looks, he just gets trucked by Koloff. It's a great shot. And um, then, of course, we get the footage from The Clash where Ron Howard's mom was not pleased. So that sets up our Russian chain match. Yet another gimmick match on this show. Nikita Koloff who's apparently undefeated in these matches, even though I got a note that he had lost, like, two of these to Luger, like, the month before on a house show. <laughs> so, whoops. But uh, he's taking on Sting here. So, um, this is also the first time of the night we see wrestlers get graphics, which is kind of cool. Like, it's cool to see uh, those things starting to get integrated into the show a little bit. I think we get them for the the next match, too, with Wyndham... We get him with the next match as well. So, JR keeps saying that uh, Koloff's ranked in the top 10. He isn't. Uh, he isn't in the top 10 at all. The whole idea of momentum is very loose. So, the whole thing in these matches is all right, uh, you got to touch all four corners, but if your momentum, quote unquote, gets stopped, you know, you, you, know, you have to start over. And that's, <laughs> this always becomes a fun game of like, or what's considered your momentum stopping. Because they play really loose with that in this match. Very loose. Because uh, there's one point where I swear, like, they stop for, like, a good 30 seconds. It's like, oh, he still has momentum. I, I'm pretty sure he's been standing there, not moving. <laughs> there's there's no more momentum. But um, it kind of just builds, like, your typical chain or strap matches kind of go. Where it's like, Sting will get a couple, he gets stopped. Koloff gets a couple, he gets stopped. Koloff's going to get three, and it's, uh-oh, and then Sting stops it, we start over again, blah, blah, blah. But then it builds towards this this finish where you've got kind of both guys hitting both buckles like almost simultaneously, and then at the end, Sting tries to stinger splash the buckle to get to the third one, but Koloff, I, in which I was, I was shocked that Koloff wins this, and the replay confirms it. Koloff touches the last buckle first, just maybe a second before Sting does, and he gets the win in a pretty boring match. Unfortunately, like this is a good feud, but it's just uh, there's it's not it's not a great Sting Koloff match. Unfortunately, um, I ended up still. I think I still ended up giving it a four, um, but it's. It's interesting that Sting does his whole firing up thing after the match to kind of, I, I guess, get his heat back a little bit. So it's not, doesn't, I'm not sure if we're at the end of this feud yet, but usually when you get to this type of stip, you're at the end, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But I didn't, I felt like this one was a bit clunky, and it just, and maybe it's by nature of these types of matches, it's hard to, to do a lot of stuff. I don't know. So, Jason, what'd you think of it? You know a match is important when it gets those graphics. Like, that's when it's like, I, when that popped up, I was like, uh-oh, I am going to pay attention because everyone gets branded graphics, not just the normal blurring one. Um, 
the Sting, like, I'm not a big fan of this stipulation of matches because they, they, the rules constantly change. Um, there's been the strap matches I've seen where it's like, you touch a corner, that's your corner until your opponent touches it. And so those generally end with someone in a hanging choke spot or something. The, the one person thinks they're unconscious and they're behind them, tagging them as it goes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this one, the, the whole moment, like your momentum stops. I, I don't get how you, you do that. Cause you're at one point, it's like a two and a half minutes between things being stopped uh, or being touched. So, and it is, this is just, I don't know. Like it's great. It goes with the Nikita Koloff thing, but it doesn't work for sting. Um, sting has still got to be like the cool base guy to the fans. He goes out there and those big open areas that WCW events like to have the kids come running up to, to get closer to sting and, and to, to see sting. And it's so cool for them. And then suddenly this giant sumo wrestling security guard comes up and just plants himself between these kids and sting. Like it's, it's shocking. Cause I thought like someone was coming in uh, to the match. Just no, it's, it's just, this guy's just gonna sit there and keep him from doing it. Um, now, when we get to the, the breakdown of of how people are are should be acting in this match. Sting's the face, but he's the first one who starts using the chain to to choke. Um, and so I don't I don't like that. I think it should be around. I'm just one of those like I mean yes, you're the good guy. I want to see you kind of get a little bit of edge. But when you're doing going to taxes to choking people, I'm like I'm not too into that. Um, again, Tony calls everyone stupid fucks uh, because at some point like Sting's just laying there. And Nikita, instead of going, he could hit every single turnbuckle while Sting is out. He just stands there and, and stares at Sting for a second and then goes to beat him up. Um, I'm not a fan of the simultaneous torner, uh, excuse me, torner, corner touching. I don't know how they do that because it looks like they're that they're just one of them is being bear hugged into the other one um, into these corners and they're just rolling in there. So the that last thing, I mean, like the, the cool thing is, is the replay gives you a clear, okay, Nikita won. There's no, no disputing that, but I don't know. This was, it's like you said, this was a very boring match. Uh, three. Charlie, what'd you think of it? I kept thinking of you when they kept talking about this whole momentum thing. They kept trying, then they tried, they tried to rope in football to it. My, it's like a judgment call. It's like pass interference. It's like, oh, well, I know, I know one person who's going to love that comparison. What a bunch of bullshit. Okay. A judgment call. Like, so basically anytime something questionable happens in a wrestling match now, the out is simply to say, oh, that's a judgment call, man. Like, JR actually did this earlier in the night. Uh, I didn't bring it up because I didn't write it down, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And it would be interesting if pro wrestling ever really decided to go through with it, is that he mentioned that certain referees are more lenient about certain things than others. And I was like, wouldn't that be interesting? Like a storyline where I need to get this referee. I don't want that referee refereeing my match you know and i forget who was refereeing this match but it might have been brought up might have been brought up here with like you know that not all referees basically are the same and that they get penalties differently and stuff like that i thought that was kind of cool but this this whole instinct or or judgment call thing is awful and not to mention the fact that whatever you want to call this match a a, a russian what, what are we calling it here a russian chain match yes or or a uh What's another one? A dog collar match? Like, strap match. That's the other one. Thing. So, strap match is the, is the typical uh, way to describe it. This match is never good. 
ever. Maybe I think I remember the Rock and Triple H had one that was decent back in '99. I think it was at Fully Loaded. But these matches, for the most part, are almost as bad as ambulance matches because they're all the same. They are literally the all the same. The heel will tag like basically you just skip every single one of these matches and get to the point where the heel starts tagging the turnbuckle and yet guess what the heel's a fucking moron because he doesn't realize that the face is right behind him secretly tagging the the post as well and of course it it didn't quite happen in that way but it was happening and tony Schiavone um mentions it and it made it even more stupid because i've never seen two men touch turnbuckles simultaneously that's that's literally the cliche of this type of match it, 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 it never fails like typically it's like when, when they they wrap the the uh the rope or whatever around their throat and carry them on their back that's usually what it is and one and then one oh god and yeah i i liked the idea that was kind of tossed out for a little bit of well the momentum stops when you when basically you fall down not momentum but like like football like this is one area where i think football would make sense if you go down to one knee or more then you know that's that's the end of your momentum i like that but then it was just like he gets knocked down sting gets knocked down randy anderson at one point couldn't even fucking keep track of how many of turnbuckles each had, had done he like he i remember he points at cole off and goes three and then points at sting and goes two and then you can see him Thinking about it, go Mm-mm, three <laughs> for Sting is yeah. This is dumb. He if Randy Anderson can't even keep up with it, then yeah, this is really bad. And Sting, it's really stupid what he did. Um, I don't know if he was trying to do a Stinger splash or if he was trying to jump over Nikita Koloff, but or maybe Sting didn't even know. Nikita had already tagged three turnbuckles. But to do a move that that its sole purpose is to crush your opponent between you and the turn turnbuckle is really dumb. And and luckily, because very easily Sting could have I guess he could have accidentally touched the turnbuckle, but you know, this is one of those times where the replay didn't betray the the finish. Uh and I really give the credit to Koloff uh for touching the turnbuckle. But it's just really stupid. But like, well, what's my next move? I'll just do a move where I can push him into the turnbuckle. It just makes Sting look like an idiot. Yeah. And like, I don't remember Sting being this dumb <laughs> when I was a kid. Like, like it wasn't until like I started talking to you, Will. Like, I, ne- I don't remember. I had no recollection of how many times Sting has not only been turned on, but just how many stupid decisions he made. Like, like it never dawned on me when I was a kid. Why would Sting join the NWO like the Wolfpack? Why does he need like people around him? That's just, that's never worked for him before. He, he's perfectly fine on his own. That's like if Jake the Snake Roberts joined a stable. You know, it's like, can you imagine that? It's like, no, I can't because he's a fucking loner. Like, like that's why Steve Austin didn't work with the WCW thing because it, it, he'd already been stone cold at that point. It just didn't make any sense. So, and Sting, I'm sorry. Like my first note for this match was previously on Sting as an idiot because. He, like, there's, we see the spot where he betrays himself. Koloff must have been at least five or ten feet in front of him when he went out into the aisle and just waited for Sting to come through the same fucking curtain that he just went through. Like, what? And Sting just, yeah, oh shit, man. He gets taken out. And just really dumb. Like, 
I, I was so like the thing I was most looking forward to when we were doing this season is to see these old Sting matches because I always love Sting. I'm liking Sting less and less, and it's not his fault. It's the way that they write him. What like here's another thing. Why is Sting in this feud at all? Why is why is Lex Luger going? No, nobody really likes Luger. You know, let's be honest. Like Sting should be in the main event, or he should be like somewhat up there because we know like Nikita Koloff like this just feels belong this feels like a feud he should have had before the Ric Flair shit you know it's like it's it's it reminds me when Austin was kind of meandering in 2002 like why the fuck is he fighting Scott Hall at WrestleMania 18 you know it kind of feels like that you know it's like Sting like I want to get behind him I want to cheer for him like I want to see him fight these guys and they just keep sticking him in these awful matches because that's the other part of it too this match sucks uh Nikita Koloff is not a very good offensive wrestler. I said it in the last episode, and I'll say it again. He just he's just not interesting uh, to watch, like do stuff. Like Sting came alive at one point, and just like I used to do when I was a kid, I started mimicking his punches. Like yes, yes, it's getting exciting. And then no, no, Sting is just completely incompetent and stupid. Um, he really is. Like because that was always the argument. I remember when we were kids. Like who do you like more, Hulk Hogan or Sting? It's like Hogan. Like Hogan is not this dumb ever. Like it's it just. And like I said, it's not Sting's fault. I, I gave this a three. Okay. So now, here's where we get into the murky waters of what the hell happened in between our shows. Because now JR and Tony are talking about Barry Windham moving into uh, moving into this big, it's a big opportunity for him to be the world heavyweight champion. We get an epic video package that hypes both Luger and Windham. This really does feel like Luger's time. <laughs> I get but, but also, did you notice how many different hairstyles Barry Windham had in yeah. the video package? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Like he kept changing. That chameleon, the chameleon Windham. He was also the yellow dog at one point. Did you know that? That's not true. You're, you're okay, man, I you're just made it up. Me. You caught me. No, I'm serious. He actually was. No. Are you serious? <laughs> no, he was. Barry Windham was a yellow dog. <laughs> I, you can Why? look it up. Like I don't, I don't what? remember where, but like they've done this. Like, before. how did this even come up? Like, okay, what? we need to like put him in a mask and give him a name. What do you got? <laughs> Yellow dog. Perfect. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Suggestion. <laughs> Besides the fact that there's a, a significant height differential between That's Barry what Wendell I'm saying. and, but, but besides that, let's look at the. Was it Barry Wyndham the one that put Pillman out of WCW? Why is he helping it by disguise? Hey, man. Dude, nothing personal. It was just that stipulation, man. You know? Oh, I mean, sh- I love her mask. Help you. Come on, man. I don't know if those pants are going to fit, but I'll help you. That's a good point. Keesler with a diving headbutt off the cage. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't believe you when you said that. It was like, it's like a foot differential there, and, and their body type is completely different too. Like, like just from their physiques, you know. <laughs> Bader's the yellow dog one week. <laughs> I, I think it was. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it was years before this. Like that, that he did this. It was okay. Years. Oh, this gimmick like spans time. Yes, and like, space. I'm. I'm. Awesome. I'm curious if it pops up in NXT. It'll be brilliant then, of course, because it's no. there. It's like yes. the Alan Smithy for professional wrestling. Yes, it, it like. is. Just burn. <laughs> or uh, Juan Cena. Yeah. 
God damn. But it does, like, the, the one thing you can really tell is, like, it, this does feel right that Luger is getting this, just because his year has been excellent in terms of, like, yes. Bill. Well, like, he killed Muda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of that, you've had the Hanson matches. You've had that awesome flair match that we got early in the season. The tag work with Sting taking on the Steiners, it was, you know, it was a good match until that, good, you know, until the, until the finish, of course. But um, we get more pyro on the stage with the lights down. <laughs> with more Tony and JR talking about Luger and Wyndham. JR breaks out some baseball talk now. He switches it up. Talks about Wyndham, you know, man, he's a bit more of a batter in the third spot versus cleanup. <laughs> yeah. There's, he's, 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 he's more Ricky Henderson. He's not a Jose Canseco. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It's 91. Yeah. JR runs down all of Luger's exploits leading up to his run in WCW. It's a ton of stalling. Like, it's an egregious amount of stalling that they have to do to get the, the cage ready. So now let's just, before we dive into the match, let's talk about how the hell this happened. Because when we left last time, it was like, okay, it's going to be Luger and Flair for the belt, right? That's what it was supposed to be. Well, the card was originally supposed to be a steel cage match between Flair and Luger for the WCW world title. And this match was heavily promoted on WCW television but two weeks before the show, then WCW executive vice president Jim Hurd fired Flair over a contract dispute, stripping him of the title in the process. Now, at the time, champions left a $25,000 security deposit that would be refunded to them along with any accumulated interest on the deposit once they lost the title. As Hurd did not give Flair back his deposit, he retained possession of the belt and took it to the WWF where he appeared with it on television. WCW had to commission a new title belt. However, the new belt could not be readied in time for the event. So the company was forced to improvise. A championship wrestling from Florida title belt was in, in the possession of Dusty Rhodes and was used with a, uh, a metal plate that read WCW World Heavyweight Champion attached to the front. So, and I believe Wyndham was supposed to be in the... Wyndham was... Wyndham was supposed to be in the main event because the main event proper was supposed to be well, quote unquote, main event. The the the, net, the match that follows this is supposed to be the Steiners against Arn Anderson and Barry Wyndham. Well, we know what happened to Scott. He tore his arm, so he's out. And then when Flair leaves, they just take Wyndham out of that match and insert him into uh, they insert him into this match. So there we have it. Um, let's see here. Jason, you have the you have this match here. This is yours, the world title match in a steel cage. It's Lex Luger, the United States champion versus Barry Windham. You know, Lex versus Barry. Uh, Jim Ross during a little build up, uh, there's some some things that are real interesting that he says that Luger was heavily recruited by Joe Paterno to play at Penn State, but he ah. decided to go he decided to go by the Miami. Good call, Lex. Good call. <laughs> uh, like it's just oh man can you imagine <laughs> it's yeah i knew it was there um i i don't understand how lex is the number one contender for a vacant title wouldn't both the guys that are fighting for it be the contender but i guess if lex won that match to decide it but it's just confusing at that point it's a and so this explains i have a the belt looks like shit like, this belt looks bad. Um, but we go back to some of the stuff. Because 10 minutes ago, 
Jim Ross says that Luger left school early to play football professionally in Canada. Then he says he graduated with a 4.0. Did he go back to school between football and wrestling? That's a great I question. I That's a great it. question. Because, I mean, you know, like we, we talk about, the, you're trying to humanize someone, you're trying to let us know about them. Great. But, I mean, just don't make shit up <laughs> that contradicts something you just said. It, but there's just, throughout this match, like I thought it was a pretty good match. It had the typical NWA World Championship feel, kind of a slow pace. Um, just, just you know, kind of drag at some points, but it has this epic quality to it. They mentioned that Barry Windham had not had a championship match opportunity since like 1987, um, which is kind of sad. The just there's a lot like all this in this this vamping scene, and then they give us this great shot of the cage being lowered, but one corner isn't quite lining up with the rest, and then it looks like a fucking death trap with pyro shooting off of it. Um, which is good. Just throughout the match, there's a spot like at some point where Lex gets Barry Windham up into the torture rack. Uh, the camera angle, I don't. It has to be a mistake. There's no way WCW has this good of camera work. It swoops in from kind of almost a fan perspective, and it's under the ropes as as Lex is picking Barry Windham up into the torture rack. It looks really, really good. Um which is why I think it's such a mistake. Uh, and Lex's big heel turn is just Harley race and Mr. Hughes show up. And I, that I don't, I don't get it. I also don't get why this match is. I don't think Lex does either. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, okay. Um, like these guys really don't use a cage. Like most cage matches go. Now I get, you know, it was supposed to be a cage match when it was flair because you know, you got to worry about flares guys coming in. Flair's gone. Um, Anderson's busy. Sid's up up in New York, and they don't they don't. There's no great grinding. The closest the cage is used is when Barry Windham sits on top of the cage for and and does a just to kind of pose for a, a lariat, and, and that's it. The cage is just there. It really did nothing but make another structure to be built in the middle of this already handicapped show because of them having to take down the fucking scaffold from earlier it's like there's 15 minutes of, of time in the show that nothing happens um i mean still as much as 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 a bitch about it like it's real slow match it was really good at points uh fucking harley race saying now's your now's your time do it do it now so lex uses a pile driver <laughs> it's just like i've got this great move it's called the torture act nah do what i said pile driver he went there's just kind of cluster confusion, and Lex Luger walks off with Harley Race and Mr. Hughes. I give it a five. Charlie, what'd you think? Uh, I really, well, I thought it was interesting that JR and Tony were talking, and Tony was trying to like build up Barry Windham a little bit, and um, man, I couldn't keep track of his train of thought. Tony's just kind of off tonight. He said. Wouldn't it be great? We, we we used to talk, me and Jr. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great if if Barry Windham ever got a title shot? And then he said that Barry would have gotten a title shot, but he had commitments that like that precluded him from going for a title shot. And I, I just kept waiting for him to say because he was in the Four Horsemen and Ric Flair was the champion. Like, and it just it didn't make sense 
what he said. Um, I was I was kind of lost on that. Apparently, you guys got it. So maybe it's just me. Um, the we want uh, really nice to see that this kind of thing has happened long before, like uh, the CM Punk chance during a world title match or or that fucking Iron Man match where they kept counting it down the clock like it was a Royal Rumble clock because uh, these these flare champs keep coming back uh, throughout the entire thing. Uh, a sleeper in a cage match and not just one but two fuck like like this is really really bad uh, there's no reason for this like and i still like it's bad enough i have to deal with a referee in a cage match and and jason's right they never really use the cage uh, uh, except for the Wyndham spot it's just it's just kind of there it's like why is this a cage match is this a grudge match that i'm not fully aware of um harley race and mr hughes make their way to the ring and I guess Harley Race has to tell Lex Luger to do a pile driver because Lex doesn't know how to do one himself. This is oh, okay, pile driver. Fuck. Um, and if you saw, if you looked at that replay, Wyndham took that move weird. Um, he protected the top of his. Uh, like the only thing that touched the mat when he landed were his hands, and I was like, oh man, like I just I don't like how that looks. Uh, um. I thought the match was honestly quite boring. Uh, it's it's not very good. I like Barry Windham, but I mean, it, it was kind of evident to me. Just really was not usually in a, in a world title match, or why he doesn't usually main event because uh, there's not not much special about him. I mean, if he had Luger's peak, maybe I'd feel differently because Luger is just and Luger. That's another thing. I'll talk about him for a second. When he came down to the ring. Man, he just didn't look like he was even remotely interested in this match. Like, I, and I, I thought at first that it was like, oh, he has a look of determination because he's going for the world title and he's fighting Wenda. But no, he just didn't really look interested in anything. And then when the finish happened, is he with Harley Race and, and uh, Mr. Hughes? Because he just kind of, eh, all right, I'm, I'm bad now. Like, he didn't really acknowledge them or anything. He just started walking, you know? It just... And he doesn't really cheat to win. I mean, it's a, it's a cage match. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I guess Luger's going heel. I can't see him going face. But I didn't really like this match at all. I gave it a three. Um, I love the 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 finishing sequence. Like one like Wyndham's escape from the rack is amazing. It is incredible the way he flips. <laughs> A 280-pound dude just flips his way out of a torture rack. It's really incredible. And we got a rack, for fuck's sake. I almost, I lost it. I was like, oh, my God, we're getting one. It's happening. It's happening. We're getting one. Because I, I, I can't tell you the last time we've seen a rack on this show. Torture rack. Let me just say that. Okay. I, I don't remember the last time we've seen one. It's been so long. So I was, I was so happy that we finally got to see it. Although it is funny that, like, the second he puts it on, I was like, oh, no, escape. It's done. Oh, man. Still yet to finish a match with it. But um, there are a couple moves that Wyndham does where he dives off the top rope with his clothesline. Or he dives with this incredible drop kick. I'm shocked it wasn't called a karate kick um, that, he does to, <laughs> that he does to Luger coming off the top rope. And then... Um, uh, <laughs> I, when uh, Jr. tries to like cover for the Harley race thing, because he's like, he immediately like has like, 
he knows exactly what Harley Race said to him. He's like, oh, he, you know what? Race used to use that, that pile driver. He must be telling him to do the pile driver. He doesn't say anything about the pile driver. He just kind of motions a little bit for it. But JR is sniffing this out. But he doesn't enough. Like, they really. All they had to do was just send Luger back into the cage to beat up on Wyndham some more. And then we would understand collectively as an audience uh, watching at home and watching, you know, in the arena. It's a heel turn. But yes, it's. It's uh, it's finally the start of the Lex Luger heel turn. This is a fascinating next eight months of seeing this thing unravel. But the match itself is... Uh, I really wasn't excited about it because it takes a long time for it to get started. And there's five minutes of background talk. Well, you know, Wyndham's been wrestling since he was 16. You know, like, he, he's been wrestling forever. Luger's only been wrestling for, like, five years. And so, you know, whatever. Um well- I like the differentiating though, because he said he wasn't in not 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 on the high school team on a professional level. <laughs> professional wrestling when he was in high school, I was like, that's a weird comment. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, could be true. Your dad's blackjack mulligan. I, I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, wouldn't put it past. But uh, yeah, it's it really was missing that little bit of extra. Like if if Luger had done the pile driver, and then he gets his arm raised, and then races like do it to him again like that would have been awesome like that would have been a lot better like that would have been like okay all right cool but the match itself even besides that it's just slow it's slow and it's just it reminds me of the sting match a little bit where it's like we're taking a while to get this thing going why why is it taking this long to get going and maybe it's just this is an eras thing you know like overall like that's the way we start these matches in in this era. It's going to have this that's going to have this slower build to it, but it still is rather enthusiastic. I only gave it a 4. All right. Let's see here. Um JR and Tony just are completely dumbfounded about what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I I I do love how they're trying to figure out what's what's going on with this Mr. Houston. You know, he I guess he's not with the York Foundation anymore. Safe assumption. Probably wouldn't hang around them either. <laughs> Probably wouldn't do it. Smart man. He traded up. <laughs> so Charlie, before we dive in, let's let's once again re- like there's a few more points to talk about how this main event happened the way it was. The final match was originally supposed to pit the Steiners against uh, with Missy Hyatt against Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, Polly Dangerously. After Windham was moved to the title match following Flair's departure from WCW, Scott sustained an injury and he couldn't um, be in the match. So it was set up as a mixed tag match with Rick and Missy versus Arn and Paulie. Now, there's a re and we'll go ahead and cover it here because it explains why what happens happens. This match. This is in Baltimore, Maryland. The Maryland State Athletic Commission does not allow intergender matches, which is why the Brian Johnsons are going to come out. So, just wanted to set that up. Why that? Why this is so abrupt in the beginning here? Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's not a real sport. Right. Because um, is this one like this it, is theater? Right. <laughs> but like, are you serious? But yeah. Because like, when is I'm trying to remember when Vince does the whole. Well, it's it's because remember Vince defines sports entertainment. He does it purposely because right. has to do with the commissions and things of that nature. But I'm not sure if WCW went into that. <laughs> I'm not sure WCW committed to that. 
which always goes back to, hey, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Awesome. I'm in the entertainment business. Right. But, yep, apparently that was what happened. Why Missy, well, what happens to her happens. So go ahead and take it away with, with this, <laughs> this really, this amazing, really, amazing main event. I'm really glad that I have this. Um, so the cage remains, and <laughs> they had the audacity to put this match on last. Paulie Dangerously in Double A versus Rick Steiner and Missy Hyatt. So Missy Hyatt comes out, and th- this is it, Will. This is it right here. This is the best of luck spot of the night. Um, the Brian oh, Johnson. Oh, 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 I know what you're going to say now. Thank you. Okay, go for yeah. it. You're right. I can't tell you how many times I rewound. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, because I want to know exactly what was going on. So the Brian Johnson's come out. And they scoop up Missy Hyatt, and they start walking towards the back. And there is some big gojones motherfucker who takes a swing at one of the Brian Johnsons, like in the crowd. Like if, for, for those of our listeners who haven't seen the show, one of one of the fans in the crowd actually swings at Brian Johnson uh, Prime. And wow, uh, I believe that he swung back and popped him like got him really good and then and 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 then he he tries to grab him again uh the fan doesn't get doesn't get it nothing happens so then i believe he tried to go for the other brian johnson and that was finally when security went you know what we should probably put a stop to this um it was hilarious but also terrifying what the fuck was this guy thinking like this uh, we're not talking about like a teenager or a child. We're talking about a man who looks like he's about forty years old. That like, hey, like they're trying to take Missy Hartman, motherfucker. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Dick Murdoch was the one in the front, and he t- took a swing at him. It just, like, it's just <laughs> insanity. And and like that's your best of luck spot because I wish that they fucking killed him, <laughs> like beat the shit out of him. Like uh, anyway, that that was the most interesting thing that happened here. So the match itself, like. Once the match starts proper, um, I, I do like what was it? Polly Dangerously, they referred to him as a psycho yuppie. <laughs> and JR, the psycho yuppie. Did you like that? Because I really like that. Uh, um, <laughs> and then JR decides for some reason to uh, chastise Polly Dangerously's hairline. Um, and like he says something like, oh, he's receding faster than his own hairline. He says something like that. I'm just like, all right, all right, come on. Um, let's see. I do like. Huh, okay, so it's a handicap match, tag, uh, cage match, but but there's still tags in this cage match. Like Paul, like, I mean, not really, but Paulie goes out to the you know to the outside. I'm and I try to justify this. I'm like, well, he's not really a wrestler. Maybe he's just trying. Like he can't get. He can't leave the cage. Although they never WCW never really specifies what happens when you leave the cage. What happens? Like you just right. yeah you have to go back in, you know like like that's kind of annoying with with these things. Um, Rick Steiner just looks like he's here for the paycheck. He's just got this big goofy smile on his face. Like like this is gonna be easy. Um, uh, yeah, the tag thing doesn't last long. Polly comes in. Uh, Polly actually takes a, a couple of good bumps, um, which which are good. I'm trying to remember how, how did I know Rick wins? How did he win it? Dude, he just kind of, I think it's with Steiner lines, to be honest. Like, it, there's not a lot. Of, he doesn't break out nearly. 
airline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Arn, Arn doesn't get to do a spine buster. He doesn't. He, all that shit that he promised us in that promo never happened. That uh, not even close. Charlie, he takes um, Arn Anderson takes a Steiner line was, and is knocked out. Knocked out. <laughs> it's hilarious. It knocked him out. Yeah, he's out the rest of the match. He's just laid out after Rick hits him. He jumps on the oh, top rope. Oh, oh. Rick pops him, yeah. and he's. Oh. right yeah and 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 before the match even started jim ross made made a comment about um how they were running out of time classic wcw we're out of time folks and i'm like wait a minute and i look down at 20 minutes and the show ends i believe with 11 minutes to spare and this is like a pattern with wc i mean running out of time has always been a thing with wcw but i'm talking about like where where they would say it back in the early 90s like they are here, and they would be lying to us. Because Tony, when he would say it back on Nitro, they were legitimately out of time, you know, which was just so frustrating. And, the, and a couple, remember, it came back and bit him on the ass at Halloween Havoc 98. But um, they're saying it back in the early 90s, and they have plenty of time. And, and they even do post-match shit. You know, like the match ends, and then JR and Tony decide to, to tell us how great the show we just watched was. And and how they're like making a statement, or like I'm just trying to think. I'm I'm thinking back to what must have been going on in WWF at the time. Like, man, WWF must have been killing them, you know. <laughs> like for them to come out like this hard, uh, you know, with these uh, with these statements. Like, well, we're we're out of time. Well, you know, let's talk to you for you know the audience for a little bit. So, you know, check in and see how you're doing. Uh, this is just awful. Awful. I gave this a two. Uh, I think this is fuck you, Flair, is what all that is. Like, we're going to go on without you, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 That's it. Mm hmm. Jesus. Uh, Jason, what'd you think of this this crescendo? Um, security stops a fan from punching a wrestler, but they don't stop an abduction. That makes sense. I mean, like. I know it's part of the show, but it's like you're just watching it, and the, I didn't see the full thing. I just saw like the the like security guys all over a guy, and you know you got to be thinking if you're a kid, why aren't the those guys helping out Missy Hyatt? It, it was it just uh, I'm glad that the uh, to learn about the athletic mission saying that that you know we don't do mixed tags or energy or wrestling or whatever the hell it is, um, but. You know, Rick Steiner's partner just got kidnapped, and he's in there smiling like a fucking idiot. I mean, just that—that that was the one thing. There's not even like a slight look of concern, not like frustration. I mean, I know you don't really have to worry about Paul, you know, Paulie dangerously being a threat, but you're in there with Art Anderson. At least pretend like you know his name carries some kind of value. But no, um, we just he get like hard weight him. Yeah. We get like uh, we get like the same look they have on their face during the international tag tournament where they're like fighting people who you've never seen again, you know, um, that just kind of thing. There's like six moves in this match, not including Paul hitting Rick with the phone, um, and this I don't know. Like I I did not like this at all. Uh, I, I was wondering why this was going on last. Uh, why is this in a cage? You know why am I be subjected to this? Uh, I gave this a one. I also have it a one. I think it's like the. It definitely didn't need to be in the cage. Like I mean, this goes back to the scaffold problem. It's like okay, you got a problem. What can we do to fix it? Okay, 
Did we got the wrong scaffold? Alright. Dump it. Let's just have a tag match. Can we do that? Cool. This is like, okay, so I understand all the, 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 the chess movements you had to do to get this thing to work because of Flair leaving and Steiner getting injured. So, I, I guess the, the, the thought with leaving this at the finish is because they want to you, you want the fans to go home happy, but they're not happy. They're indifferent to this, really. Like, they seem so just tepid in their reaction to this. And then, like, I think about, okay, what if you flipped this? Like, if, for whatever reason, if you're hell-bent on keeping this in the cage, well, if you flipped this with Luger and uh, Wyndham, would it have been any would have been any better well it would have been a better match but does the would the, would the i mean i don't know i mean there's you're once again locked into this thing do you ha- do you have to have a happy ending at the end of matches well no but maybe that's the overriding thought at the time cuz clearly we've seen since then that you can have pay-per-views that have downer endings see wrestlemania 17 where you're like i don't know what to think i don't know what to think <laughs> I'm happy, but at the same time, I'm confused. Um, yeah, this... It's unfortunately... This is this is a show where it's like... There's just one problem after another. And you still feel like when they knew that they had the problems, they had time to fix it in a way to where they could have had a slightly better show. I don't... Like... I, I've heard some reference this match. Like, this show is like the worst... Like, one of the worst pay-per-views ever. Uh... I mean, the ratings may reflect that a little bit, but I, I don't know. Do you guys really think it's one of the worst, like, pay-per-views you've ever seen overall? Like, Heroes of Wrestling bad? I don't Heroes think it's Wrestling bad, bad? No, like, if we're talking, like, the top three, like, companies, uh, WWE, WCW, and ECW, um, I mean, Jesus, it's bad, but... It's not. I, I I I wouldn't feel comfortable saying it's one of the worst ones I've ever seen because it was watchable. You know, I I think I hit pause maybe twice, but I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think this show absolutely sucked. I think it's the worst show of this season, by far. But of all time, I don't know. I don't know about that. Is it is it worse if you don't know all the shit going on? You know, like without trying to take that in consideration, if you're just watching this in a vacuum, the, the, would that impact how you view the quality of it? So take the scaffold match. Like you, you can see with your own two eyes, like from the angle that they give you, like, man, right. that's narrow. They don't have a lot to do there. Right. That, I'm talking about the whole thing, though, like the and, you know, because you're going to have there's there's you're going to have matches that are uh, on a show. Um, and that what I'm talking like, just knowing that players gone, like a lot of the other stuff because. WCW has they. Have, I'm not a big fan of this this particular pay per view, but I mean it's it's still it's. I don't think it's one of the. I don't definitely not one of the worst shows we've ever seen and done on this podcast. See, yeah, um, like it's been so long since we've watched those. Right. Know? Yeah. I, I WCW in 2000 was, was something else. And absolutely, that's what I'm like, and I and I definitely remember there were a couple of those ECW shows. These we were like. Oh my God! Is this what we're doing? Like, what? What's? What is this? Like, I thought ECW was awesome all the time. No, not all the time. A lot of the time, but there's also a few times where it's like, we're just kind of trying to figure. I mean, all right. Here's a good comparison: December to dismember, right? There it is. I. It hit me at the last second. 
<laughs> like, I was like, that was a bad show. Like, I, I, I'm trying to, fe- I'm trying to remember because, like, again, like, I don't necessarily like the the ratings or whatever. Like, you know, like I don't think like that's like, I'm, I would not want to just judge it just based on the ratings because I'm trying to think like, just how I felt watching them. Like, did I feel like, I, I think watching that was so. I don't know. That does have that Hardys match, right? It's the Hardys versus Eminem, right? In the beginning. Yeah. That was a pretty yeah, good match. Okay. That was a pretty good match. The and first I mean, seven minutes of the chamber match is great. Right. Yeah. And then they eliminate the two top faces like as the first two. And then it just all goes downhill. So let's just ask it. What do you think is worse between the two? Jason, which one do you think is worse? December to Dismember, by far. Uh, Charlie, which one do you think is worse? December to Dismember. Uh, like there's, there's, I know you guys didn't much care for it, but there wasn't a match on December to Dismember that was even close to the Ricky Morton uh, Robert Gibson match. You know, yeah, like yeah, just no, for that alone. True. No, no, absolutely. And plus, absolutely. You know, like I, I get nostalgic for ECW sometimes, um, but when I think of December to December, I'm just like, that's it. That's the end of it. It's over. Uh, it's I don't I don't ever get nostalgic for that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I I I'm kind of there with you. That's why like this reputation that this this show has, and I'm not sure if this is one of those things that's cultivated nowadays because we have access to everything. You know, like I I I used to. You know, I mean, we all were in this boat. Like, if you didn't see a pay-per-view when it came out, like, maybe your video store would pick it up. Yep. But unless that was the... And, and if that that wasn't the case, if you happen to know somebody, like Charlie Stabile, a.k.a. the WWE Network, before the WWE Network, you weren't going to see the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, you wouldn't come across these things. Like, you, the only, if, you, if you saw it that one time when it came out and then never saw it again, like your feeling on it would be different. It's like, oh, this is something now with the access to technology. We can revisit this shit all the time now, and we can have all these, you know, thoughts and feelings about it. I just... Yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm... I'm it's 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 funny to me, because I... I you know, Jason, you see that I comment on the Impact Wrestling thing sometimes. Um, <laughs> wrestling has gotten way too fucking Cirque du Soleil. It's so over the top. And so stupid, like it, it just—it looks like prequel lightsaber fights to me now. And then I go back and I look at, at Great American Bash '91, and I'm and I'm like, this is a little too stale. Like, there's not enough things going on. It's like, like really good, like pro wrestling to me is somewhere in the middle. That Japanese show is fucking awesome that we watched. I loved that show, like because. It's it's wrestling that makes sense, you know. Like like Impact Wrestling, really a triple tombstone pile driver. It's fucking stupid. It's just dumb. Like it's just like th- that's that's a gif. It's not a match. It's a gif. Like that that's that's something that's specifically made for the internet. Yeah. Uh, so, like to try to get your name out there. Like that's all that's for. And you know you watch these matches. Even WWE, they're not they're not um, innocent on this either. With some of these matches that they have, they're just like near fall, near fall, near fall, and, and top rope spots, and people getting thrown off cells, and it's just like, my God, like what what has happened to pro wrestling? And then I get nostalgic for shows like this, but unfortunately, this is one of the uh, less well, 
is certainly one of the lesser versions of, of the kind of pro wrestling that I like, but it's still a better form of pro wrestling. Yeah. I just say at worst, it's, it's very forgettable. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point throughout the rest of it. We'll make a reference to it, but I don't know. Yeah. If we ever do like, what was your favorite? What was your least favorite of the season? Something like that. So that takes it's a transitional pay per view. Yeah, see, that too. Great. That, see, that's that's a perfect phrase. That's the perfect way to describe it. This is a course. It's like a transit. Yeah, like a a transitional champion. It's like a guy who gets a belt. You're like, whoa! I never thought he'd get the belt. He loses it the next pay per view, and, and he never. You know, he gets his loses his rematch. You never see him again. He's never in the title. I don't know. It's just like, like just hey, we're just doing this. This is to hold on, and that's it. Um, that's how this felt. It's like, but I mean, that's that's why it it is. I mean, it's not great, but it's not the. It just it seems to be, and it's. I know it's real weird for a person who is doing a wrestling podcast, and uh, most of these matches for me had very low ratings. But sometimes it just seems like people just watch this and read the other comments, and then just try to to out four chan the other of how bad they can make it sound. Right. Negative three and a half stars yeah, is, is ridiculous. Watching it that's ridiculous. Being negative, no, 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 that's dumb. Being negative is is really overrated. Um, yeah, it's just it's just not fun. I mean, it's fun sometimes, but to always be like, oh my god, let me tell you why this is this the worst thing ever, or why this makes me angry. It's like, dude, do, do you have any fucking sense of humor about yourself? You know, it's just like these people completely lack self-awareness to me and, and they, they target pro wrestling. Like the reason I didn't give that scaffold match a zero, because those four guys went up there like PN News. A full, imagine being 400 pounds and going up like 25 feet in the air, like on a little tiny scaffold like that and actually doing business of any kind. Like, like it takes guts to do shit like that. And they shouldn't have done it and they didn't have to do it, but they did it. You know, it's like he just yeah, lays on want to criticize. Point. He just lays on. Yeah, it. it was his only move. <laughs> and, awesome. and another thing too, like I was just defending that match, but look, I'll, I'll take another shit. Um, when was it clear that it was get the flag and take it back? Because when Barry Windham first touched their flag, I was like, oh, or it was Barry Windham. Uh, Bobby <laughs> first did that. I was like, oh, it's over. And then, no, it's not. No, it's <laughs> like he just starts walking it back. Oh, it's a flag capture, you know. Like, right. I haven't played Halo in a while, but I remember that rule. But um, no, the like people that yes, it's one of the worst matches of this season. Might even be the worst. That Eligante one with Sid's pretty bad too. But but for people to just take a big old dump on that thing um, and make fun of it, no, it's that's that's not right. Especially with those circumstances you pointed out. Yeah, man. I mean, Christ Almighty. I just I the fact that Bobby Eaton's like, man, I'll do it. Like that's awesome. Like I really, I, I respect Bobby's you great. so much. I fucking love him. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Next show, it's Clash of the Champions. Sixteen is where we're at. It's in Ooh, sep- sep- we- wow. September. Of are we gonna get the overall rating? Are we oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we we can- gonna get the overall rating score. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I've got it. You've got it. Cool. What is um? Yeah. What is the rating for it? I'll just go wait. I until have it the at the highest. Jason, you're right in the middle. No, no, no. Jason has it at the lowest. Will, you're uh, you're in the middle. We gave this show. Oh man, I wish we kept track of all these ratings. Um, we gave this a two point nine seven. That's on the high. Would you say two point what? 
That's on the high end. Oh, man. 2.97. This show on cagematch.net has had 23 votes. It is a 2.17. Oh, my God. Some of these comments, like, I mean... You guys had two zeros apiece and two ones apiece. Right. A truly atrocious shows with nothing to redeem it other than the fans vocally crapping all over the promotion. That guy gave it a zero. The whole show. A zero. <laughs> the whole show? Yes. Some of these comments. Come on, man. Crap. It's not a zero. The whole like, show. Like, like that fan who swung at Murdoch, that saved the match from a one for me. That I will remember that. Because like, would you take a swing at fucking Dick Murdoch? No. Like, <laughs> no. No, that guy was like, man, I love Missy's Instagram. She's been sliding into my DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you taking her? (laughs) Um, All right. So Clash of the Champions 16 is where we're headed next. And hopefully getting some more background on this Luger heel turn. Get Get some more build with this to see where it's going. But um, in the meantime, we're on Facebook at New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I'm at William Rinkin 83. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I'm at CM underscore Stabs. We'll see you again for Clash of the Champions 16.